easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. First time in a long time we have live sports coming up later on tonight right here on Dayton ZSPN radio station 1410 Wing AM. It may just only be exhibition play, but it is live exhibition, and that's all that matters. Reds and Tigers coming up later on tonight, 640, will be the first pitch. And I haven't been I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. I get to announce a lineup for tonight, Kev. There's a there's an actual lineup, a batting order for tonight. How about that? Amazing. How about that? You know, Shogo Akiyama, by the way, when they first signed him, I was worried. I mean, I don't have to say that name a lot, but I've mastered the name. And that's a lot of time to practice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, heck, I was, I, I didn't know if I had it down back in March, but now that we're here in July, I mean, I have it down pat, so that's <laughs> all that matters. Shogo Akiyama will be leading things off batting first, batting second, and at first base is Joey Votto. Playing at third and batting third is Eugenio Suarez. In the cleanup spot, starting at second base is Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos in right Field, he'll bat fifth, batting sixth in the DH. How about that? Jesse Winker batting seventh, and at short is Freddie Galvis. Batting eighth, and in center field is Nick Senzel. And behind the plate, catching tonight is Tucker Barnhart. Nick Lodolo will be making the start uh, for the Cincinnati Reds tonight. And uh, this is exciting. I'm telling you, I, I don't even care that it's exhibition play. So 6.40, you could tune in tonight. Again, Tommy Thrall, uh, he'll be doing the play-by-play tonight again. This is his you know, second season with the Reds, um, but uh, he's viewed as the, the replacement for Marty. But any time that, uh, that we've had a chance to talk with him, he goes, you don't replace Marty Brenham, and he's just the, the next guy up type of mentality. But Jeff Brantley and Tommy Thrall will have the call coming up later on tonight right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. But uh, I, I'm excited Excited uh, to finally be able to carry Reds baseball. One more time, Shogo Akiyama, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez batting 1-2-3, 4-5-6, 5, Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. And then 7-8-9, Freddie Galvis, Nixon, Zell, and Tucker Barnhart. And here's the deal. Tucker Barnhart hit 290 in the back half of last season, folks. For all of you out there who try to bore everybody with your, oh, I just love the strategy of the game. Would you rather watch Tucker Barnhart, a guy that hit 290 in the back half of last year, hit, or would you rather watch Nick Lodolo, a rookie pitcher, hit? I, let me let me save you some time. I think we all know what we want to see there. Tucker Barnhart. I mean, this is a guy that was hitting at the you know closer to the top of the order last year. I mean, this is how deep this order has gotten. I mean, the fact that you have Jesse Winker, who was a leadoff hitter for the Reds uh, in recent history, of course, now batting sixth in the lineup. Uh, Nick, or I'm sorry, not Jesse Winker. Nick Senzel, bat, you know, batting seventh or eighth. In 
in the lineup now. Jesse Winker batting sixth. You have Freddie Galvis at the bottom. Freddie Galvis is close to a career 290, 295 hitter. This is a good lineup. This is stacked from top to bottom. Uh, everyone I've spoke to with the Reds organization has just had nothing but glowing reviews about Shogo Akiyama. Not just what he could do with the bat in his hand, but with what he can do in the field. Uh, and, and that's going to be fun to watch him because I think when, and this is something we're going to talk about later, but when you look at the three newcomers in the lineup, Shogo Akiyama, Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, which of those three is going to have a bigger immediate impact? Forget it. We're just going to do it now. <laughs> of the three, those three right there, who is going to have the biggest immediate impact for the Cincinnati Reds here in 2020. Shogo Akiyama, Eugenio Suarez, or Mike Moustakis. As good as Mike Moustakis and Nick Castellanos... Did I say Suarez? I don't know why I was reading his... Either way, I'm I'm losing my mind. Sorry. Shogo Akiyama, Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos. Of those three newcomers in the lineup, the guy that will have the biggest impact, although Mike Moustakis and Nick Castellanos will make huge impacts... Akiyama is a true leadoff hitter for this Reds team, something that they have not had in a long time. Even when they had Billy Hamilton, it was hard to consider him a true leadoff hitter because, well, the whole thing about you know being a leadoff hitter, it says it in the in the term hitter. You need to be a hitter, and he wasn't a hitter. Uh, that was a problem. Billy Hamilton. He was my one of my favorite players on the team for the years that he was in Cincinnati. Uh, I thought that you know with the DH being added and with some you know extra flexibility. I would have liked Billy back in Cincinnati, especially for what he brings uh, as far as defense is concerned in the outfield. And I can say that safely now because I don't have Schlemmer sitting across from me ready to pot me one. <laughs> because if you even com- – I mean, there were certain rules with Schlemmer. You could not compliment Billy Hamilton. I'll never forget the day I tried. I lost that battle. Uh, <laughs> Schlemmer was not a fan of Billy. Remind, me, of to tell me, uh, remind me to tell you about my Billy Hamilton story. From uh, Caravan? Yes. Or Reds Fest. It doesn't matter. But you have a Billy Hamilton yes. story. We'll get to that in a moment. But real quick, the, the the impact that Shogo Akiyama is going to have from a leadoff hitter standpoint uh, is going to be huge. For one, he's going to obviously set the tone, but he's going to set the table for guys like Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, and Mike Moustakis. I mean, this is not a lineup that you can look at as an opposing pitcher and say, oh, there's some easy outs here. Freddie Galvis, as down as people are on him, and the only reason people are as down on Freddie Galvis it is mainly because everyone is looking over at the other team in Ohio. All right, they're looking at the tribe, saying, "Yeah, we want their shortstop." So when you look at Francisco Lindor and you look at Freddie Galvis, it's very easy to say, "Yeah, I would prefer." It's not even a prefer. I think it's just easy. Of course you want Francisco Lindor, but Freddie Galvis is still a very good hitter, and the fact that he's hitting so far down in the lineup is a good thing. The fact that Nick Senzel is hitting so far down in the lineup is a great thing. The fact that Tucker Barnhart is hitting down in the order is a good thing. Because when Nick Senzel is your leadoff hitter years ago, when Tucker Barnhart's in the upper half of your order, when Freddie Galvis is having to hit high in your order, that means you don't have a lot of pop. But those are excellent guys to have in the back half of your order, and I think the Reds are set up for a ton of success this year. I think that Shogo Akiyama is going to be huge for the Reds, setting the tone as far as the leadoff hitter is concerned. Joey Votto, his job is going to become a lot easier as far as you know something to work with there. Again, Shogo Akiyama batting ahead of him. And then you have the power right there in the middle, which is what you want, something this Reds team has also lacked. They have had great power contributions from various players at various times, but collectively, this is as powerful of a lineup that the Reds have had in a long, long time. You know, Joey Votto, the reason that a lot of pressure is going to be taken off of him in 2020 is because when you have an average offensive lineup, 
And when guys like me and Schlemmer and, and even Marty Brenneman and others would beat up on Joey Votto because he would rather take a walk than try to swing in the winning run sitting at second, the reason it was frustrating is because there wasn't a lot of guys offensively that you can count on in the Reds lineup. Joey Votto is the one guy, and he's paid to do it. People hated when Marty Brenneman said that. Joey Votto's not paid to lead the league in on-base percentage. What Marty Brenneman meant was, is that, sure, let's say Freddie Galvis led the league in on-base percentage. Let's say Freddie Galvis led the league in walks. That's a great thing. You know why? Because you're not really paying him to swing the bat. But if you can get that consistent of contributions from a guy like him or even a Nick Castellanos or Jesse Winker, great. But you're not paying them max dollar. The Reds paid Joey Votto max dollar. So, for instance, I promise you this. If Mike Trout tried to pull the stuff that Votto did, Trout would be booed. All right, so stop doing this poor Joey Votto thing. I was listening uh, to the, the media guys in Cincinnati, and they were doing this boo-hoo. Oh, which Cincinnati player uh, has had it the worst of all since Joey Votto? Poor Joey, poor Joey Votto. He brings it on himself. All right, how about Andy Dalton, who actually, for who Andy Dalton is, Andy Dalton played really well for who he is. Andy Dalton was never viewed as a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Andy Dalton was Andy Dalton, and he got booed at a Major League Baseball celebrity softball game. To me, that's pretty sad. Joey Votto getting booed because he's the highest paid player on the team, one of the high, you know, one of the highest paid players in team history, and he can't hit a winning run in from time to time because he's too busy focusing on walks. He deserves to be booed. I say all of that to say this is that Joey Votto can officially settle in that role. And it's going to help this team tremendously. Because in the past, when you've counted on him to be the guy to bring in those runs, when you've counted on him to be your home run guy, when you've counted on him to be the anchor of your offense, that was the high-pressure point for Joey Votto because he was more focused on drawing walks and getting on base any way he can, which doesn't sound horrible, but they depended on him to carry the load offensively. He doesn't have to carry the load offensively as much this season because he has such a great supporting cast, Akiyama batting in front of him, and then you have Eugenio Suarez, who, of course, battled for the home run title last year, and then you add Moustakas and Nick Castellanos. When you have Suarez, Moustakas, Castellanos, and Winker on a good day hitting behind you, holy crap, man. Like, Votto is going to have a fantastic season and it's not going to be a you know above 300 season for him but don't be surprised to see him hitting 290 or something along those lines because i do believe more pressure is off Votto in 2020 Votto is not going to have to be the guy in 2020 and because of the dh and because of the fact that he doesn't have to be the guy i expect a very relaxed and, con- and contributional season for joey Votto as far as that's concerned to me that all starts because of shogo akiyama I'm batting in the leadoff spot, and that sets the tone. But that's huge for the Reds, and what's even more huge for the Reds is the fact that behind Votto, one more time, Suarez, Moustakis, and Castellanos. I'm excited for tonight. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to tune in and listen to live baseball once again. Something I did not think we were going to get to listen to here in 2020. Uh, I'm not going to lie. As much as I kept saying, "Oh, I'm confident there'll be a season," there were many points where I'm like, "There's just no way. There's just no way." And there's a way. And even if it is only exhibition play tonight, it is still live baseball uh, with your Cincinnati Reds. Reds, Tigers tonight, 640, the first pitch. And uh, they're playing this at Great American Ballpark. One more time, your lineup. Shogo Akiyama, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez batting 1, 2, and 3. 4, 5, and 6 is Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. 7, 8, 9, Freddie Galvis, Nick Senzel. 
and Tucker Barnhart. Nick Lodolo, again, not having to hit due to the DH being implemented into the 2020 season. Thank the Lord there's a lot. I mean, as bad as this virus is, I mean, there has been some positives that have come out of it. That To me, the DH. The DH is huge. I love the DH. I mean, people call in and say, oh, oh, the strategy, it takes the strategy. It, it may take that strategy away. But it doesn't take strategy out of the game. In fact, if anything, it adds strategy to the game because it makes teams more flexible. It gives that manager more options. You're strapped as far. I mean, bottom of the ninth, and you're in the bottom half of your order, and you know you have to have Nick Lodolo swinging for. Actually, probably you know it's going to be you know a bullpen guy. But you see my point. But a big point in the game, and you have your pitcher coming up. That's horrible. Oh, that's the strategy. That's, Sending up a guy that sucks at swinging a bat is not strategy. That's just unfortunate. <laughs> That's not strategy, folks. But when you have Tucker Barnhart as your nine-hole hitter, you're in good shape. The Reds are in good shape. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. We welcome you in again. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. A lot to get into. Uh, more fallout from the NFL. Again, uh, NFL preseason potentially scrapped. We're going to talk about that and what that means, not just for the NFL in 2020, uh, but the NFL moving forward. Uh, more more news coming out of the NBA bubble, and I'll just get to it quickly. 346 players have tested for the coronavirus, Kevin, in, in the bubble, but zero positive tests. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. Who's going to be the first one to test positive? Uh, Dwight Howard, because he's an idiot. And we'll get to that coming up around the corner as well. We got top headlines that will jump into all of that coming up around the corner. Yeah, you did set that up. <laughs> all right, Kev, your uh, Billy Hamilton story. Billy Hamilton. So we're at Red's Caravan at the Air Force Museum. And you know I'm a huge, huge college football fan. This is, this is I want to say, his... Uh, is uh, after his rookie year. So this is probably January of uh, 14. So I'm talking to him and everything like that. And I was like, so you were going to play football at Mississippi State? Like, yup. I was like, who else was on the list? That's how he talks, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's at least he has that squeaky <laughs> voice, man. It's at least, hilarious. At least, at least coming from me. So he was like, I asked him, like, who else was on the list? Because uh, he was uh, all state in baseball, track football and basketball so well-rounded athlete he had his choice of schools he could have go to um so he was down to mississippi state where he actually signed his letter of intent and number two on that list michigan while rich rod was there hmm yeah yeah but uh you so know i didn't even realize the football side of things for him we just focused i mean i know that amir garrett played basketball at st john's i mm-hmm. uh, love talking basketball with him um but i didn't even realize that i had no idea about his football yep, uh, talents yep. signed well. a letter of tent what was he gonna be offensive line uh, <laughs> i'm sure no. that the bengals would have experimented with him at lineman uh he was uh gonna play wide receiver at michigan I, yeah i figured that much and, uh, <laughs> it was a uh, like at mississippi state he really just signed mississippi state because by the time he knew he knew he was going to play baseball but he just signed his letter of intent just in case well, good to hear. I mean, that's that's definitely. I mean, so we would have seen a little bit of him here in Ohio if he would have gone to Michigan uh, for yeah. obvious reasons. That speed, that speed, man. I mean, to be all state in basketball, track, football, and baseball, like you're a super athlete. Can't hit the ball, but that speed, boy, that speed will get you a lot of places. And that's why I mean. And he had it, and he, had, he was great defensively in the outfield. Obviously, we knew what he could do on the base paths. But and keep in mind too. With the 60-game season, Billy Hamilton would have been fantastic to have on this roster because of that very reason right there. Every run is going to matter. Billy mm-hmm. Hamilton is useless on this Reds roster, for one, because he can't hit, but two, even if you got him on base, 
David Bell doesn't play small ball. He doesn't bunt. He doesn't try to advance the runners. That drives me nuts. I spoke with Schlemmer earlier today. Him and I were kind of discussing about, man, the 60-game season, it's really going to change how managers manage. It's not going to be the – and we talked about this yesterday – managers aren't going to try and and say oh man my starter's rolling but it's only april we don't need to you know we don't need to send him back out there for a seventh inning we got a two-run lead we're you know we're looking okay we got a good bullpen no it's gonna be a little bit different this time i think i mean are you more comfortable going to your bullpen in a 60 game season or an extended season schlemmer said no you're going to see them take the starters out earlier you're going to see managers who are their their sphincters are going to be a lot tighter than (laughs) usual because every run is going to be so big. It's just going to, that's what I'm telling you, Kev, this 60 game stretch, take the Rona out of it, take what could go wrong out of it. Just, I mean, if this season plays out, this will be the most exciting baseball season ever. Yes. Ever. Yes. In your From mind. a fan, and keep in mind, people, I get that the star power is not as strong as what it was in decades past. What I'm talking about is the quality of the baseball in regards to the urgency. More teams are going to be in the hunt. Uh, every at-bat is going to matter. Every decision that the managers make is going to matter. Every time David Bell makes a decision that leads to a one-run loss for the Reds, that is going to matter more in a 60-game season than 162. So with all of that being said... Baseball is going to get exposed for what the real problems in the game are because this season is going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. And everything that is going to make it fantastic is going to equal what the what the league is not focusing on in regards to fixing the game. They think that it's pace of play issues. They think that it's uh, let's you know limit the amount of mound visits that the managers have and the catchers have. Uh, let's put pitch clocks up. Let's do all of those things mean nothing. I know you'll have a couple of callers that'll say, oh, no, the games are too long. We had someone calling yesterday. Oh, it's the game's too long. The game's not too long. You know when you go to watch a football game or baseball or basketball, you know the amount of time that those games are. You are you are investing yourself into that time frame for the next however many hours. No one goes to a baseball game and says, well, this game better hurt. I don't want to be there all day. People, when you go to a game and you're going to spend the dollars that you do on it, I would hope that they're there to entertain you for the day. Mm-hmm. If you're going to spend $60 on a ticket, go be entertained for the day. Don't go in there $60 for, I mean, imagine paying $60 to go watch an hour movie. Would it be worth it to most people? I don't think mm-hmm. so. So I don't want to hear that. You're, the league will be exposed this year because it's going to have a great year. And then when you yeah. go into next season to your full 162-game season, they're going to realize, well, maybe it wasn't the pitch count that may, is making the game better. Maybe it really was that, oh, te- teams actually had a chance heading into the final week of the season, multiple teams. The Reds are always out of it by April. A lot of teams are always out of it by April. Every team is still, even the bad teams, are going to be looking at like a six-game deficit saying, man, if we just get lucky this week, we could be right back in it. Right. It's going to be exciting. Who, Who's the manager that's going to make the biggest impact because in a short season it's almost like the playoffs already so i'm thinking like francona joe madden those veteran type of managers are really going to earn their money and going to be able to put their guys in the best position to make a run for the playoffs uh i'm going to say madden i like francona too uh but madden because he's just a little he's quirkier and he's more aggressive and he takes chances um Francona just always has this. I'm in control of the game, which is why I'm always comfortable with him being my manager. I would kill. I, if it's the like Reds, he's if, playing. Yeah, if the Reds <laughs> had him, I would be ecstatic. I, I love you know Francona's. For, but Madden is just one of those guys that in a short 60 game season, when most managers would be nervous to make a certain change or they would overthink a situation, Madden is just one step ahead. He always seems to be one step ahead. That's the one reason I like that he had headed to L. A. Because that 
that franchise needed something because mm-hmm. I don't get how you have all that star power and nothing to show for it. I mean, the Dodgers have a ton of star power. They win that division every year, and they have no World Series to show for it. So they're they're closer to the piece. They're closer to the prize than the Angels are. But the Angels got to figure something out. I think Madden's going to be the guy to do it. Plus, you have the best player, in the, arguably right now. If you look at this, the pace that Trout is on, his numbers are lining up with the best of all time. And no one cares. I don't even care because he's just dull and boring to me because they don't market him. He's just he doesn't he's not a draw to me. I don't care. I watched him playing since he last year. It's okay, <laughs> but like I wasn't like oohing and on over him. I, I I thought it was more exciting to watch Justin Verlander with the Astros pitch than it was to watch Trout hit. And Trout's a way better hitter than Verlander is a pitcher wow. as far as that's concerned. All right, lots to get into. Top headlines coming up around the corner. ESPN puts up their top five offensive arsenals. The Browns have to be in there, right? Or the Bengals? We'll discuss that. Top ten coaching disasters in college football history. I know right away people are thinking of certain uh, team up north that uh, is going to fit that mold. We'll talk about that. Is the current coach on that list? We'll get to that. And according to Pro Football Focus, they are my nerves. Again? They put out their top t- uh, their top 2020 wide receiver units. Browns have to be on there, right? <laughs> Somehow the Bengals are on there. That- no Browns? <laughs> now, I know it's based out of Cincinnati, but they can't be drinking the Kool-Aid on the job, can they? We'll get to all of that coming up. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Yeah. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th Gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 800-BUY-DELL. That's 800-BUY-DELL. <laughs> The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. (laughs) Welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. You're going to get me started about OBJ and AJ Green during the break. I had to let my blood pressure kind of settle a little bit. We're going to get into that coming breathe, up. Breathe, breathe. Into that. I, I'm breathing just fine. <laughs> breathing just fine. All right, we got top headlines coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, but again, Reds, Tigers tonight, 640 the first pitch, 610 the pregame. Uh, they'll be coming up immediately following our show. Uh, we're 30 minutes in, and we're heard from people ever. I mean, there's a lot of dumb. I shouldn't say ever. There's a lot of really, really, really dumb comments. But th- those are some of the dumbest. Oh, the, the media, they're they are rooting against sports happening. What are you talking about? Oh, fear porn. That's what it is. They're just trying. They're, you know, they're trying to get everyone afraid. 
no. I, I don't think that us saying that maybe high school athletics should be a little bit more cautious about throwing high school kids out to play football during a pandemic. I don't think that's me rooting against high school football. That's me rooting for high school football. You morons. All right. Uh, I think you're, you're a moron if you think anything otherwise. Like that, that's I, No, I don't wake up in the morning and say, God, I hate high school football. I hope they don't play this year. I hope they don't play this year. No, to be honest, if I really didn't want them to play this year, I would be like, yeah, they should. Go ahead. Go play during the pandemic. Go run out there. Don't test them. See what happens. Let, let, let's see what happens. Folks, bite me if you think that I don't want there to be sports this year. Uh, that, that got, Someone reached out today, got an email going off on me, saying, that, can you guys, uh, do you have any positive takes about anything going on? Yeah, I just told you, zero positive tests. I saved that just for you. Brian, I thank you for the email today. That was for you, uh, as far as that's concerned. But no, no one's rooting for sports not to happen. That's the dumbest thing. That's like that, that's like owning a restaurant and saying, oh man, I, I hope we don't open back up again. I don't want to make money. You know, I, hope we, I hope we don't open back up. I hope we shut down again, actually. you know, That's stupid. Go go come up with some better trolling comments than that. And I'll give the PC version of what Justin just said. That was PC. <laughs> this is that was my PC version. This is how we make our living. This is how we keep food come on, on our throw tables. Throw bite me in there. Throw bite me in there. Come on. And if we didn't have sports, we wouldn't have a job. So we want sports to come back desperately for multiple reasons: for our entertainment and for our livelihood. Bite me. Throw He's, it in there. He said that. Throw now. it in there. Thanks. Say, oh, you should have heard what he said during the break. Thanks for listening. There we go. There we go. Oh, I sent you more positive information. I sent you that this morning about that article. Wait, hold up. About, hold up. You yeah, know, I ahead. ignore your text. I'm bad, bad at responding well, to people's Well, it was like text. at 6 in the morning when I was on my walk. Yeah, you always, I always wake up to text messages from you. In fact, <laughs> That's what I I'm not reading. Say, and I'm not even mad. I'm just saying like half the time, and Nora's always like, who the hell's texting you this early? I'm like, it's probably Kev. <laughs> That's when I get my read on. When I'm getting my walk on. What? What did they announce? Um, Clinical testing for the COVID. Yeah, you didn't send that to me. Uh, yeah, I did. Maybe you did. Anyways, just tell me. Just tell me what it is. Kev. Oh, tell no, I sent that to my mom. I meant to send that to you. Hey, because it was her birthday because you forgot <laughs> it was her birthday yesterday. Never, right? never, 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 never would I forget my mom's birthday. But, no, they were just saying how um, testing is coming along, um, looking like they're going to potentially have some type of vaccine sooner than later. You know, everyone oh, yeah, was talking yeah. about a vaccine, maybe not until summer of 2021, but, you know, things are looking progressively better, so. You know, just sending out that positive energy. All right, uh, four five seven nine four six four. Uh, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, with you here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio, the Justin Kenner Show. Uh, if you want to interact with us, again, you can call in or text us on the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. One says, "Glad they didn't take any of the already positive tests to the NBA bubble." Uh, so there's that. Uh, um, again, you could text in the show at any point. Text in the show. You can call in at any point. Of course, social media side of things: Twitter at fourteen ten Kenner K I N N E R, and of course, one. Kev Nash. There you go. Why? Why, why Kev Nash? Why, why? You know, you hate wrestling. Why you wrestling? Why, why after a wrestler? Uh, my brother's been calling me that for years. So he's a wrestling fan. Unfortunately, I'm gonna call you Hogan. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna call you random Triple Brother. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of that, we haven't heard from uh, Steve from Springboro in a while. Well, all this union talk, by the way, all the union talk we've been having. You would think Steve from Springboro would have given us a, a ring here or there. Yeah, but we're, we're entering NFL season. That's peak Spring. Uh, Steve from Springboro, right there. You know. So, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you can answer a lot of questions, especially the ones we had yesterday about, you know, why does it seem like whenever unions and ownership management or whatever get into these discussions and trying to get labor union peace, it always comes down at the very last second. You know, him being a union rep, I'm sure he can answer that question for us. So, Steve, if you're listening, 
Give us a call. Answer these questions for us. Or text. Uh, he he got a texting device. Here's the other thing too. Huh? You could te- He doesn't have a texting device. That's what he says. What is telling? Text the show. He, I don't have no texting device. That's what he always says. He don't have a cell phone. No. He's not landline. That's it. It's 2020. Oh, don't don't get him started. He he. Nope. That's what makes him unique. That yeah. That's what makes him unique. Uh, so. We got this today, too, by the way, because you could text the hotline at any point of the day, 210-9676, 210-9676, you could text us. We're going to add a texting poll into the show coming up. We'll put, uh, it's going to be a two-minute drill, two minutes up on the clock, we throw out a poll question, and you text in your responses, and we'll gauge the responses on that. We're going to be building that coming up here in the near future. But this game, again, you could text us at any point of the day, 210-9676. Um, this is the weekly reminder. I don't even know who this person is, but they Text in and say it's 11:10 a.m. on July 21st, 2020, and the Bengals and Browns still suck, and that includes Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett's a very rich man right now. I don't think he cares. Big money. I don't think he really cares. And you better be careful, man. I mean, you're not putting your name on these texts, but uh, say it to his face. You might get a helmet to the face. Like. <laughs> cool, man. Oh my god. All right, let's kick things off here uh, with the Justin Kenner Show. Top headlines. It's the Justin Kinner Show's top headlines. One of my least favorite players, athletes in all of professional sports is Dwight Howard. I can't, I cannot stand Dwight Howard. Um, I, I really don't. I didn't like him back when he was with Orlando. Just something about him just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and then when he got traded to the Lakers, and there was a lot of excitement there. Uh, you know, I'm a Lakers fan, so I was really pumped when Dwight Howard got traded to the Lakers because I was like, you know what, this is going to be great. Kobe's going to have, you know, another, you, you know, Robin that he's going to be able to kind of pursue more championships with. And ultimately, that didn't happen. The Lakers were kind of struggling to start the season. Dwight Howard apparently was injured, and then the NBA All-Star game happened that year. Dwight Howard got voted to the All-Star weekend. Okay, he goes to All-Star weekend. Keep in mind, the Lakers were trying to, you know, keep themselves within the top eight heading into the All-Star break. He had not played in the, and I think in like the two or three three weeks previously, heading into the break, Kobe was adamant that they the Lakers wanted to take some momentum into the All Star break to set the tone for the second half run. Dwight Howard was too, you know, was hurt. Although the doctors had cleared him, they had cleared him. He said he was too hurt to play, and he wanted to wait to come back to after the break to give him more time to rest up. Media ripped him. I ripped him. Everyone ripped him, and he cared so much about what I had to say. I'm sure. Random old nobody, Justin Kinner in Dayton, Ohio, spewing his his hatred as usual. Dwight Howard at NBA All-Star Weekend is now sitting there full court, throwing full court shots at the NBA All-Star Weekend, who was not going to play in the All-Star game, but went anyways. It was too hurt to play with that shoulder, but he's throwing full half-court heaves across the NBA All-Star floor. He's an idiot. I hated him for that. And then moving forward, so Dwight Howard, again, um, talked about the zero positive tests in the NBA bubble. That's a huge success. That's going to be a success mainly because of the job that the NBA did in, in implementing a plan that is being executed perfectly. But it's up to the players to execute that plan perfectly. Mm-hmm. And Dwight Howard was caught multiple times roaming the bubble without a mask. And the rule is if you leave the, uh, if you leave your hotel, you leave your room, you have to have a mask on at all times in public areas. He, of course, was doing a, a live Facebook, live Twitter feed, of course, and, and not wearing the mask. He got ripped for it. And instead of just coming out and saying, my bad, he comes out and doubles down and says how stupid it is that they have to wear a mask in the bubble. However, I did tell you, Kev, I kind of agree with where he's coming from. If anyone else would have had this take, I probably would have said, you know what, I kind of see what he's saying. Because technically, everyone tested negative coming into the bubble. There's zero mm-hmm. positive tests. You're, you're living in a bubble amongst healthy people. Why do we still need to wear the mask? I get his complaint, but at the same time, just wear it. 
Because it's up to you as the player and the other players to keep that bubble safe. And there's things you're doing that are probably kind of stupid. No doubles teams, partners, and table tennis and others. A lot of really dumb things in the bubble. But it's going to be a combination of all those dumb things that you're doing that are going to keep that positive rate at zero if you continue doing them. So just shut up about it. And you said there was something else, too, that he did. Yeah, he was uh, on Facebook Live or IG Live again. And uh, someone asked him uh, about vaccines. And he's an anti-vaxxer. And, you know, you can be an anti-vaxxer. You can have those beliefs and everything like that. But I refuse to believe or take advice from a dude that eats Big Macs and has five kids from five different women about vaccines. If it's four, would you be a little bit more? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So, you know, I refuse to take a medical advice from a dude that has five baby mamas and five different kids. That's called bad luck, man. (laughs) That's what it is. Oh, I mean, gross. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know. Big Macs? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, dude, he eats Whoppers and Big Macs. I'm just not going to take my medical advice from him, you know. So. But you take sports advice from me, and I'm all about well, the Big Macs, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dwight Hyatt, you know, and his wife on uh, Basketball Wives. So, no, not no, no. one of his five baby mamas. Yeah, yeah. Reese. One of his, uh, is, oh, is look at Reese? you. Look at you. Reese. Tammy's my all-time favorite, man. <laughs> Tammy Roma, that's where it is. <laughs> this guy. I'm a huge Tammy fan. This is this is what happens during COVID nineteen. You you find out a lot about people, man. What they're watching on TV because there's random stuff. There's, there's random people that pop up in that, like uh, Byron Scott. Yeah, Byron Scott ends up pops up in that show all the time. I'll be watching like on ESPN and he's doing some kind of NBA analyst role and then flipping through and I'm like, why is Byron Scott being yelled at by Tammy? It's the funniest thing in the world. Who else is in that? Uh, Chad Ojosinko. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, he kind of had a little. You know, that show didn't help him any. <laughs> At all. <laughs> Anyways, how do we get on that? We're done with Dwight Howard. I'm done talking about Dwight Howard. Texas Longhorns football aiming for 50% capacity at football games. Uh, and this is great PR for Texas. But Texas is just one of the uh, worst hit states right now as far as the virus is concerned. But here they are coming out, you know, saying, hey, we're, we're going to try and... Put, we're going to fill up half the state. You shouldn't be talking about putting masses of people together at all in any capacity, but uh, good for them for at least you know trying to pretend like everything is normal. The University of Texas says that it anticipates hosting football games this season at 50% capacity in the stands. Uh, Texas said it's still preparing for the season to start on September 5th at home against South Florida. Keep in mind the Big, uh, the Big 12 has not yet said if it will duplicate moves by the Big 10 in the Pac-12 to play only conference games. South Florida plays in the American Athletic Conference. Are you surprised that only two of the Power Fives have come out to say conference only? I'm not surprised that the SEC hasn't. Um, I'm, and I guess I'm more surprised that the Big Ten did it so early than yeah. I am that the SEC has not done it. I think all five end up doing that at some point, maybe, but. Who knows? And a lot of those non-conference games, it may not be. I think that's what the SEC's approach. We're not going to knock out our non-conference games. We'll let them, the non-conference opponents from the smaller conferences, we'll let them knock them out. The Big Ten maybe probably should have held off just a little longer. You should have let the MAC wipe those games out. Rather than you just wiping out your own games, I guess I can understand that approach to it as well. These other three, the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC, getting ripped right now for not canceling the non-conference yet. I don't have a problem with them not doing it yet because I actually think the Big Ten pulled the plug a little too early. I'm not against conferences doing it, but at the same time, if the MAC was planning on going forward and having a season, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm the SEC, let my non-conference opponents 
Let them back out from the party. I'm not going to kick them out of the party. Let them back out from the party, I guess. I believe that the Big Ten went conference-only games because they knew that, all right, if we come up with a certain set of rules and a certain set of testing policies that every school has to follow, they all have the means to do that. Not every Mac school is going to have the same means that an Ohio State is. Like if Big Ten, uh, yeah, that's a big, good point. Fair if enough. The Big Ten conference says, like, look, we're testing on uh, Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, and they, all teams are and doing, all teams have trust, to do it. Okay. You you can do that now. Bowling Green may only have the money to be able to test on Friday night before the game. Then you leave yourself and everybody else at risk of catching COVID. But you know, what I think—that's a great point. I should have thought about that on my own, but that's a great point. No, I didn't think of it like that. But you're right. But what I think is going to end up happening with the ACC and SEC, since those conferences are so kind of like tied at the hip because of like a lot of uh, in-state rivalry games. Because you have what South Carolina, Clemson. You have Kentucky, Louisville. You have Florida State, Florida. You. Uh, uh, who else? You got Georgia Tech, Georgia. Like, those are rivalry games in your own state. So you can't tell me that Louisville can travel to North Carolina to play Duke, but they can't travel to Lexington, Kentucky to play an interstate game. Like, it's safer to do that. So I think that both those conferences, the ACC and SEC, are going to come to some type of agreement to say, like, all right, look, everybody from the SEC is going to play one opponent from the ACC. And then the back, the rest of the schedule is loaded with conference games or something like that. They're they're going to play those games. They're going to play those in. That South Carolina Clemson game is going to happen. That Florida Florida State game is going to happen. That Georgia Georgia Tech game is definitely happen. All those games are going to happen because it's all about this. And they they love their rivalries and everything like that. Now you look at everything that's going on in the West Coast with the Pac-12. I don't know. Like, I guess you, they're going to just follow the same model as the Big Ten because that's like the conference that they're tied to because of the Rose Bowl. But they don't have like a close partner to say like, all right, we're going to play games, our non-conference game versus you because we trust that you guys are going to have the same testing policies. I mean, you look at West Virginia. West Virginia is in the Big 12. No one's close to West Virginia. The closest school to West Virginia is Ohio State. <laughs> you know and, what I mean? And that's going to be the thing moving forward as far as that. And that, So now my mind's racing to now, and by what you you just telling me that, in 457-9464, if you want to jump in again, it's the Justin Kinner Show type headlines. Keep in mind that this is why now, after kind of discussing this out loud, I, I think it's uh, this actually makes me feel better that there is going to be Big Ten football coming up this season. Um, because the one thing about college football that annoyed me about Mark Emmer was the fact uh, that you know Mark Emmer coming out and saying it's every school for themselves, that scared me to the point where I'm like, there's no way that every school is going to operate under the same rules, under the same conditions. But because the Big Ten, and I'm flip-flopping here in the middle of a segment, I don't even feel bad about it, that's a good point. I didn't think about the Big Ten all having the same testing policy for everyone. I keep I approach this as, oh man, this is going to be every team for themselves and the approach yeah. to do it. But if the Big Ten comes out and, and they implement their own plan, yeah, that that's smart. That, that That's going to be huge for the Big Ten. The Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com.
Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. I hope all of you are having a great day. Uh, I know with everything going on in the world every day, it could just seem like you're running in mud, but uh, trying to remain positive and uh, an FCC-approved word. Um, but uh, the NFL has agreed to scrap all preseason games, or at least uh, they have offered to the players to scrap all preseason games. You and I touched on this. Yes, there are um, benefits of preseason as far as roster construction is concerned, but I don't believe that you should put your entire roster at risk of the virus just so you could figure out who your third and fourth string guys are. Um, And it's funny because I was listening to an interview with Jimmy Johnson earlier today, uh, and he said a lot of coaches, they spend more time putting the back half of their roster together during the preseason season because they can do it they don't have to do it you don't need four weeks to do it uh, it helps to maybe have one game but even then you got to think of jimmy johnson i love this quote from him he goes no one likes games that you can't go out to win like no one cares if you win or lose preseason games he goes so it's dangerous you're going out you're getting some guys who are playing hard because they're playing for a roster spot but ultimately these guys are the truest competitors they are the biggest competitors in the world these athletes are and they're just going out just to play to play that's not a good situation. You shouldn't have guys risking their money and their careers on games, especially that many that mean nothing. Um, but even one game seems too much this year. Uh, and I think that, you know, and me and I discussed moving forward, one to two preseason games I think is what the NFL needs. It does not need four. Uh, I think we've seen the last of four preseason games. Do you think we'll see uh, four preseason games ever again? Two. Two. Two is all they need. Two is all And I wouldn't even do them back-to-back weeks. So you have a week of practice, preseason game two weeks off between games to work on what you figured out in that game and then another one. Or, I don't know. Two weeks of no games, back-to-back weeks of games, and then another practice with cuts, and then you finalize your roster heading into the season. Uh, But it'll be interesting as far as that's concerned. I don't think it'll really impact the season. Does Joe Burrow really benefit from... Because you've got to think, everyone's like, oh, the rookies really need it. Well, let's be honest here. Joe Burrow is the starting quarterback for the Bengals in 2020. We know that. So Joe Burrow is only going to get first-team snaps in preseason games anyways, which is limited to begin with. So I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be that far behind when the season starts because he didn't get his one quarter of play in with the Bengals' first team. And if you do play him the rest of the game, yes, every snap matters, don't get me wrong, but you're going up against second-string, third-string guys. Other than the reps themselves, it's not as beneficial as you think. Bottom line is, I heard Jimmy Johnson say in an interview with the herd. He just straight up, flat out said, a lot of that is it's preseason strictly money based. It's just to make money, and that they don't. The coaches already know what the roster is going to look like probably after the first two weeks. Anyways, you really don't need the full month and a half of preseason slash preseason games. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think Joe Burrow will be impacted that greatly at all by lack of a preseason because I think it's he's actually going to do better, Kev. You're going to get more first-team snaps in your practices and your inter-squad scrimmages going up against your defense than you are going up against the opposing preseason team's second-string, third-string guys if they played him past the first quarter with the second-string guys. But if he's a first-team guy, you're only going to get one to two possessions or drives um, per preseason game anyways and probably wouldn't even play in the fourth one. So I'm fine with this. I don't think that the Bengals are in trouble. Joe Burrow's a smart quarterback. He's a talented quarterback, and he is a rookie, but I don't think that he all of a sudden is just going to not know what the world is around him because he didn't have a preseason. I think they'll be fine. It's adjustments. It's just something that they're 
coaches, players. I think he's going to be impacted more by his veteran wide receiver not playing for a third straight. No, I'm just joking. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Adjustments. They're going to just have to adjust. It's something everybody's going to have to adjust to. It's just something, you know, we're used to, like, all right, we got to get through these preseason games. And then, you know, I was talking about certain guys that made a name for themselves in preseason games and made rosters and end up making themselves a lot of money. It's just an adjustment that we're all going to have to get used to going forward that obviously no preseason games this year and then going forward hopefully there's only two because you know i talk about the guys that made the name for themselves but we can also talk about the guys who season got ended in preseason i remember when michael vick broke his ankle in a preseason game missed an entire year because he was playing in a meaningless game you know so it's is is pros and cons i think it's more pros than cons to not having preseason football All right, more of the Justin Kenner Show. We'll pick up at this conversation on the other side. I want to hear from you, Bengals fans. We'll open up the phone lines at 457-9464. Or, Bengals fans, you could text us using the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. Will will zero preseason games impact Joe Burrow at all? Does that concern you, Bengals fans, that Joe Burrow will have zero preseason games? Or do you agree with me that it's really not that big a deal? He might actually benefit from it because you're going to get more first-team snaps in your own inter-squad practices and scrimmages against first-team defenses for the Bengals. So I'm curious your thoughts. Is no preseason games a concern at all for a team with a rookie quarterback like Joe Burrow? We'll open up with that. Hour 2 next. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Ask for it at Jiffy Lube. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. Baseball coming up for you tonight, 640 the first pitch. And uh, I was excited to give my first lineup of the year a little bit ago. And I'm glad that there's at least 60 more of those to come. 61 preseason game tomorrow. Hopefully 61 plus potential playoffs. And why shouldn't you feel good about the playoffs when you got a lineup like this and a rotation like the Reds have? Here's your lineup for tonight. Reds Tigers 640 will be the first pitch right here on Dayton's home of the Reds, 1410 ESPN Radio. Batting first and in left field is Shogo Akiyama. Batting second and at first base is Joey Votto. Playing at third and batting third is Eugenio Suarez. In the cleanup spot, starting at second, batting fourth is Mike Moustakis. Batting fifth and in right field is Nick Castellanos. Batting sixth and is the DH. How about that? The DH for the Reds in the National League this year, Jesse Winker. Batting 
batting seventh. And at shortstop is Freddie Galvis. Batting eighth in center is Nick Senzel. And batting ninth behind the plate tonight, Tucker Barnhart. Again, Shogo Akiyama, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, one, two, and three. Four, five, and six belongs to Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. And then seven, eight, and nine, your seven, eight, nine hitters, Freddie Galvis, Nick Senzel, and Tucker Barnhart. How about that? Nick Senzel batting eighth in the lineup. He was your leadoff guy uh, in years past. And here we are with him hitting at the bottom of the order along with Tucker Barnhart, Freddie Galvis. Keep in mind, Tucker Barnhart hit 290 in the second half of last season. He had a horrible start to the year. <laughs> the one thing about the Reds I am concerned about, the last two years, they have had the, I mean, April was the most uncomfortable month for the Reds throughout the last two years, um, the slow starts were just brutal. I'm not saying the Reds were playoff teams the last couple years, but, I mean, they really sucked the life out of the fan base the last two years after the first month of the season. They can't afford a 60-game season. If you don't start out fast, your season's going to be ass. I mean, it's just it's, there's no other way around it. They have to get out to a hot start. Tucker Barnhart and many guys hit the ball real well in the second half of last season. It was just too little, too late. The bullpen uh, and the rotation had worn themselves out. Uh, we, you know, a lot last year were complaining about how early David Bell would go to the bullpen. They'd go to the bullpen way too early. And, you know, I remember when uh, Schlemmer and I were in Cincinnati at the Hall of Fame Museum talking with Marty Brenneman. He was talking about how his biggest fear about the second half of the season was going to be that the bullpen falls apart because David Bell is using them too much. All the stat nerds out there said Marty was too old, needed to leave the game, and anyone that doesn't think that analytics uh, is what rules the game right now is stupid. Analytics rules the sport. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't think that the ones who are against it are that stupid because I think Marty who was too old for football. No, you're good. Uh, Marty, who's too old for football, or for uh, baseball, I'm sorry, I think he knew what he was talking about. How many players were injured and had to sit out the back half of last year? How many play? I mean, fatigue, arms, syndrome, was it hit a couple players last year? Give me a break. Give me a break. So it's going to be interesting just how quickly this Reds team jumps out to start. But the fact that you have Tucker Barnhart, 290 hitter last second half of the season, hitting ninth, I mean, that, that's still going to be some pop in the bottom half of this Reds order. And you take that consistency along with that rotation uh, and that strong bullpen, the Reds are really in line for a good push here in this 60-game truncated COVID hit season. So it's going to be a fun one. Reds-Tigers tonight, 640, the first pitch. All right, back into this conversation, the NFL uh, offering to the players that they will scrap all preseason games. I don't think anyone is screaming for preseason games. However, all that means is that for us, we now need to wait an entire month before we actually get to watch a football game. How many of you, Kev, did you watch preseason? I'm not going to lie. I, I watch preseason. No. I watch it because it's football, um, but I'm not like, I don't say, man, I got to sprint home and, and get the game on the team, but I do watch NFL preseason football um, because you recognize a lot of the names on mm-hmm. this, even the second, third string guys. It's something I watch. I enjoy watching it, but I'm not upset that it won't be there. I'm just upset because now it was at least football that was sprinkled in that month that would lead you into week one of the NFL and, and college football and what, and what have you. That's the only downfall to it, but I'm excited. But a lot of people are concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals and the development of Joe Burrow that they finally get their big-time franchise quarterback, but they feel that he's already way behind the eight ball because of the fact that all the entire offseason has been virtually done and that he's going to have zero preseason games. I think that the preseason is overrated for starters anyways. I I think that, I mean, think about the preseason week one. You're probably going to play two or three possessions, two or three drives, and then you're going to be on the bench if if you're Joe Burrow. Week two, maybe you play the half of the first quarter. Uh, week three, you that's your dress rehearsal. You probably play that first half. Mm-hmm. And then week four, you might play the first drive or maybe not at all. So 
really we're talking about maybe two quarters of football that Joe Burrow is missing out on. I don't think it's that crucial. I actually think he is going to face more competition within within his inner squad scrimmages throughout the preseason than what he would have actually faced on a sun or you know on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever the preseason games would be. I think the Bengals are fine. I think Joe Burrow is going to be fine. He's super talented, and what helps him, Kev, is he's super smart when it comes to the game. They say he already has that playbook down pat as far as that's concerned. I don't know how you know that until you physically see him out on the field executing the plays, but they say he knows the the playbook by like the back of his hand. So we'll see what happens. But if I, if I'm the Bengals and I'm a Bengals fan, I'm not concerned about the no preseason for Joe Burrow. I think he will be just fine. I'm ready to see him. I'm ready for some NFL football. I would have tuned in like now, obviously I would have tuned in for some preseason football, even though I don't watch preseason football. I don't watch the pro bowl. I don't watch any of that stuff. I've only watched the real deal, but this year COVID world, I'd have been watching. I'd have been watching every game that came on. Um, as far as his progress, Joe B's progress, yeah, you don't want your very first game as an NFL starting quarterback to be literally the very first game of the real season. You would like to have some preseason games under your belt, see what uh, the process is like getting like to, for a real game on the road and at home. But in the ideal world, that situation would happen. But we're not living in the ideal world right now. We're living in a totally different situation. And the best thing for the NFL is not to have preseason games, only have games that matter, which is the regular season. Um, I think he'll be fine. Um, I think he'll have a typical rookie year. I think he'll have his good games. I think he'll have his rocky games um, because he is so smart, and he does have a lot of weapons out there offensively. We all know the Bengals' biggest issue is the offensive line. Can they protect Joe? Um, Can the coaching staff come up with some quick pass concepts because the offensive line can't hold up? Um, Is that stretch run game going to work finally? You know, to open up those stretch plays that um, you can hit those long passes. Is the offense going to look like the Rams offense that went to the Super Bowl? That's what that's what we're all expecting out of coach, right? That's what we wanted out of the coach. We wanted him to bring that offense that was so high potent in L.A. You wanted to bring that to Cincinnati. Well, now you got the trigger, man. No, you got a good running back. No, you got good weapons. Can you disguise the offensive line well enough to make it happen? All right, four five seven nine four six four Bengals fans. I want to hear from you. How do you feel about Joe Burrow having zero preseason games? Does that concern you at all? Now, again, it's one of those situations where I don't think the Bengals are being lauded as a playoff team in 2020. No one is saying that this is a potential Super Bowl team and no preseason games has all of a sudden set them behind uh, dramatically. But again, you only have four years to strike with a rookie quarterback as far as the rookie quarterback deal. This is an important year as far as taking that next step of doing what the Browns did in year one with Baker Mayfield. I don't care if you hate Baker or not. I don't care if you hate the Browns or not. But you have to admit that even with all the drama in Baker's rookie season, that the Browns did it right. They went from 0-16 one year to winning seven games the next year, but they had every Browns fan obnoxiously buying in and believing that they were well on their way to a Super Bowl. That's the goal of the Bengals right now. All right. I don't care if you think that fans overreacted to the Browns that year. I don't believe that they did. I believe that the Browns were on the right pace, but again, I messed up the second they handed the reins over to Freddie Kitchens. Bottom line is, is the Bengals' goal is to head into next season with that same confidence that Browns fans did heading into Baker's second season. And regardless of how that season turned out, and regardless of how annoying Browns fans were, Bengals fans, when you're when you have your chance to be annoying, you're going to love it. 
and it's going to be fun. And, and, and the, you know what I mean? Like that's we all love. That's what makes football so fun. You could be 0-16 one year and be that obnoxious fan base the next year chanting playoffs and everything, even if you're out of your mind. That's what makes the NFL fun. That's where the Bengals are at right now. With no preseason, do you believe that that's going to impact Joe Burrow? 457-9464, or you can give us a text using the ESPN date 6. Uh, that's going to be uh, that's the number that you could text in. Let's. Uh, we lost Chris. Chris, if you call back, we'll get you back to the front of the line. Let's go to Bobby. Bobby, how are you? Justin. How are you? Go Browns. Go Browns. What's up, Pittsburgh? What up, though? <laughs> he, he, looks for, he looks forward to that nickname every time you call in, my friend. <laughs> I'm good, well, that's, man. That's nice. I like it. Well, it's a nice nickname, and he's he's a good dude. I like him. He's all right. <laughs> Thank you. You won over another one, Kev. How about another one? <laughs> Slowly right. but surely. But, Bobby, what you got for us, man? Do you think well, the preseason's a, no preseason's a problem? Is it a problem for the Browns even? Um, with, with Again, Baker, third year in the league, third different head coach. No, no, no. Because they're getting all their reps and all their plays in practice. Preseason, I don't like it. I never did. I mean, I got my sources that I get my information from for my fantasy, so I don't even watch preseason. Your, your magical sources, how you know you trigger a lot of people when you bring up your sources, man. And it's not pro football focused, I guarantee you that much. Oh, those clowns, they couldn't predict nothing if it bit them in the rear. Do <laughs> you know that they put out a top 10 list of wide receiver cores, and they didn't put the Browns in there, but they had the Bengals in there. Bengals have a good crew, by the way, but to not have the Browns in the top 10 as far as wide receiver crews, give me a break. Yeah, exactly. And as far as preseason for um, Mr. Wonderful down there in Cincinnati, it wouldn't make a bit of difference because when you when your offensive line has a nickname of Swiss cheese, it ain't making no difference. <laughs> so, but w- no. when he struggles this year, you know that they're going to be saying, oh, he didn't have a preseason. we got to give him time. You know, he, yep. If he would have preseason, he'd yep. be you know battling with Patrick Mahomes for MVP. Yep, that's what we're going to hear. Huh? And, oh, hey, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, just, just uh, if, if you watched any of the golf, okay, are you you still sticking with your Tiger <laughs> prediction on your on your Grand Slam? You know, Kenner gave me crap yesterday. He he spared me on the air, but I, I just have to just simply because of the numbers. Like he's playing more, he has more opportunities to do it than everybody else. Breaking okay. news: Tiger Woods hurts his back checking Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who, who did you go with? Who did you go with? Who do I go with? Yeah. You to, mean as far as as to far as catch the you know the oh, their rival or their rival. rival. It was Patrick uh, Mahomes to Tom Brady, LeBron James to Michael Jordan, or Tiger to uh, to uh, oh who am I losing my mind? Either way, but Tiger catching uh, as far as the masters or the majors are concerned. Um, they've tried that so many times, and they 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 thought oh it's um it's Davis Love, and then that faded, and then they said oh no it's. You know, I can't remember. Uh, just Dustin Johnson. Nope, that faded away. There's no one else going to win as many majors as Jack. There's nobody going to win as many majors as Tiger has won. It's not going to happen. There's too many of these young kids coming up now that are just playing phenomenal golf and you're not going to get that dominance anymore. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but see, we're, we're talking about now, if you're talking from a standpoint of one of these young guys having to win enough majors to get up there with Tiger uh, and Jack and those guys, that's one thing. But when you look at, and I'm not defending Tiger here, but I am saying Tiger is only within three. He needs three. Uh, getting three is not like, it's it's not an astronomical number. Like, when you look at, now, Le, now LeBron needs three, but LeBron has like a three to four year window. And the chances of him winning three titles in four years, that's not happening. Even though I am thinking LeBron has a better shot 
just because I still think he's better at his game today than what Tiger is at his game. But it just seems Tiger, without that hourglass, go, you know, continuing to wear out as far as his career is concerned, there's no end game. I, I think that you know he still has a chance to get it, but uh, it's just last week watching him. Every time he had a bad shot, he would always grimace and hold his back. But then when yep. he then when he hit a good shot, oh, he's just cheesing it up for the camera, making his way up the uh, up the grass. I'm just like, give me a break, dude. You can't always hold your back when you have a bad shot. There's yep. no way. There's yep. no nope. way. No, nope. and he's got that. That's the, that's the issue. He has to play consistently. He can't. He can't play a tournament and then wait four or five weeks. Yeah, up. people use that as a as a as a reason as to why he would win three more. They're like, oh, because he could pick and choose. But that's a good point. That might be why he. That might be why he doesn't, because the inconsistencies of you know not playing in especially a highly competitive uh, tournament uh, like the majors. So yep, agreed, agreed, guys. Pittsburgh hey, agreed. Man. He shook his head and said he agreed. How about fair, that? Fair, fair, fair. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, good hearing from you, man. Take care, Bobby. You too, guys. Take care. Love the show. Later. Adios. All right, four five seven nine four. Six four. Uh, that was from the conversation last week about which of the stars had a better chance of catching their rival, Tiger to Jack, LeBron to MJ, or Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady. Patrick, you know, Tom Brady with six Super Bowls, you know, Mahomes uh, with one. That was the weirder one of all the others because you know LeBron's trying to catch someone that's no longer playing. Tiger's trying to catch someone that's no longer playing. Tom Brady's still playing. And I still think Tom Brady gets another Super Bowl before he retires. That Bucks team is is very talented. That's the literally Tom is playing on the most talented roster in his career. The only roster that could probably rival it is that one with Randy Moss that year. I was but about to you, say. Uh, and again, listen to what I said. Rosters, not teams, because we don't know yet. I learned my lesson with the Browns. I kept saying, "Oh, this is the best. This this is one of the best teams in the league." The Browns had one of the better looking rosters in the league. They did not have one of the best teams in the league. And right now. Arguably, the the Browns roster is as good as it gets. Is one of the best rosters in the NFL. Are they is one of the best teams in the NFL? That's still up for debate. The Bengals roster on paper looks really really good, but again, put that puzzle, dump out that jigsaw puzzle and start putting it together. How's it look? We don't know yet. So uh, that's my lesson that I learned. I'm always willing to admit when I'm wrong. I thought that you know, oh, looking at a roster, my, oh, this team's the best right here. No, all right. The, the Browns had one of the most talented rosters in football last year, in bottom. Five as far as team is concerned. <laughs> it was that bad. Horrible team football. I anticipate a much better team football as far as that's concerned uh, heading into this season. Um, but what, what about the Browns, though? The Brown, I mean, like I said, I bring up Baker Mayfield. We're talking about, oh, does no preseason impact? How does that impact the Bengals and Joe Burrow? Baker's had two years in the league, but keep in mind, this is his third year in the league, and it's his fourth different or third different head coach, technically fourth head coach. But, you know, so when you think about Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson, of course, um, who took uh, the defensive coordinator, I always forget his name. Williams. Uh, yeah, and, and Williams as the interim head coach, and then Freddie Kitchens, and now Stefanski. Fourth so you, head so coach you count, in three years. you count interims, huh? I don't want to, but the point, no, I won't. But regardless, it's his third different head coach, third year in the league. But I think it would be fair to count interim in his circumstance because it was so... Such a long season. <laughs> it seems like Williams coached what? How many games did he coach him? It was eight games because it was the bye. It was right at yeah, the halfway point. Like, uh, and then they won like quite a few right after. Then they won like, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't won like three in a row. Yeah, coming out and were firing right off the bat. Uh, regardless, no preseason for Baker. I, again, I'm going to say the same thing about Joe Burrow. Baker has the advantage over Burrow because he's played in three, two seasons worth of NFL games. Give Joe or give Baker credit too. 
regardless of how he looks out on the field, the guy just he, he plays. He doesn't miss games. You know, he, he's there. That that is a plus. You know, that's what you always hope when you draft a quarterback is his ability to stay healthy. And sometimes that's not like a that's a luck thing. You know, Tom Brady's mm-hmm. been very fortunate. He hasn't had the best offensive lines in football. He's had good offensive lines, but it's just been he's he's been lucky. Andrew Luck, a lot of bad luck. Uh, in his career, you know, a lot of these guys have bad luck as far as that. Cam Newton, a lot of bad luck. His super talented rosters that he had in Carolina, just bad luck in the way his playing style is. Baker will be okay uh, as a you know first year head coach in Stefanski, but I'm not as worried about a first year head coach in Stefanski because Stefanski's offense is honestly the strength that is coming to the Browns. That's going to organize this mess uh, that we saw last season. So I think Baker will be okay. Um, I think that we'll see a rusty week one and two, but I do think all teams will really get it going by week three. And to, let's be fair here, week one's always ugly anyways. I mean, has preseason right. ever? Because keep in mind we have four preseason games. And all of the guys that play the entire games in the regular season, they're only playing a fraction, a tiny percent of the actual snaps and minutes in the preseason. People are overreacting to the fact that there's no preseason. That's going to be bad for the start of the season. It's not. What does two quarters of preseason football, how does that help Baker Mayfield or even a Tom Brady, for that matter, to start a season? You're still getting a preseason. You're just, you know, more reps with your team, more reps against your defense, more reps against first-team guys at that. I think they'll be okay. They'll I remember really the Brown, Browns, Bears coach Nagy, before everything went to crap, he was talking about going to be having his starters play more into the preseason because he blamed that on the whole miscommunication, the offense not firing all cylinders. He wanted to get more reps for his guys during the preseason games, but I guess he's going to have to do that in practice because there is no preseason. <laughs> Sorry, someone just... <laughs> I can't read that one on air. All right, four five seven nine four six four, or you can give us a text two one zero nine six seven six. Your thoughts on the preseason? How does that impact your team? Whether it's Browns, Bengals, uh, you know we have a couple Bucks fans too. Tom Tom Brady, uh, who's a veteran, who's won six Super Bowls, who's arguably the best quarterback of all time. No preseason for him, no problem, right? Well, not necessarily. I mean, even he with a new scheme for the first time in his career, he might this he might feel like a rookie again. This is all new to him. You know, the guys today are used to bouncing around from team to team. Not him. You know, he, he's been with the same team for a long time. Uh, so this is something new for him as well. All right. We're going to talk a little NBA bubble coming up around the corner. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with Joe Varnon again from the Athletic NBA Senior Rider. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on in the bubble. Uh, some big interviews lined up for later on this week. Phil Steele. Uh, we'll talk some college football with him. Again, his the Phil Steele magazine is out, and we're getting a few copies here at the station. We'll be doing some giveaways. Obviously, we cannot... Uh, allow you to come pick them up but we will mail you your edition so we'll be talking uh we'll be having a contest here shortly with how you can win one of the phil still magazines for college football coming up uh, mike golick uh golick and wingo his radio career wrapping up uh, he's going to join us on 1410 wing live later on in the week and then we're going to hear uh from of course a couple of the reds broadcasters including the cowboy and tommy thrall so we're excited for all of that coming up later this week let's step away for a few moments when we come back according to pro football focus they rank that their top 2020 wide receiver units. Where are the Browns? Where are the Bengals? We'll get into that, and it might surprise you some of the top wide receiver units in the top 10 and some very surprising teams not in the top 10. Plus, we'll get into the top 10 coaching disasters of all time. That's all coming up on the Justin Kinesh next. Yeah. 
Pete Kasuji here to tell you that if you're looking for the very best selection of your favorite garden plants, we grow over 125 varieties of tomatoes, peppers, cabbage, broccoli, cucumbers, cantaloupe, and eggplants. And if you haven't tried our famous neighbor beater tomato and pepper plants, come out and pick up a few and enjoy the best taste you ever had from your garden. They taste so good, you'll wish you planted more. And remember, neighbor beater garden plants are sold only at our garden center at 1309 Brant Pike. So get out that shovel and start digging. It's time for gardens, bedding plants, rose bushes, vines, ground cover, shade trees, and... The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Ask for it at Jiffy Lube. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make you for every mile. Goodyear, more driven. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING Studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. How about this? Texas delays high school football season for largest schools by a month. This coming, of course, from the Associated Press saying that Texas will delay the start of the public high school football season for its largest schools by a month as the state grapples with a recent surge of new coronavirus cases, hospitalizations, and death. Impact Ohio State. You got to talk about recruiting. When you're recruiting those players in California, when you're you know, recruiting those players in Texas, you got to pay attention to stuff like this. And if you're a top recruit, Kev, if you've already committed, like let's say that you've verbally committed as a junior, mm-hmm. and you know you already have that love affair with the, whatever team you're going to, why not just say, I, 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 for one, if you flip-flop it and play in the spring, I'm just not going to play because I, I, I want to go to Ohio State. Or I want to go wherever. I'm not going to go. Or if you know the season's delayed and delayed and delayed, and you're going further and further into the year, it's like, well, do I even need to play this year? Right. I'm one of the top quarterbacks or linebackers or defensive backs in the country. Do I even need to play this year? I think you're going to see that that's going to impact Ohio State a lot, too. Not only impact them, but you're going to see a lot of their potential recruits do that. Because, again, they're not just recruiting in Ohio. They're recruiting all over the place. Right. They get some big ones out of Texas, Florida, California, everywhere. Keep an eye on some of these top recruits, which we will do here uh, in, the, in the coming days. So that's going to be interesting how all that pans out. That's a good point. We talked about the one kid from Illinois who transferred to go to IMG Academy in Florida. Yeah, that worked out. <laughs> right. Like, At the time, it seemed like the right deal, but you just this virus is unpredictable. Bouncing all over the place. That's a good point. Uh, we talk about it like how what if they have to push college football to the spring. We talk about, all right, well, Justin Fields isn't going to play. Well, if they push high school football to the spring, five-star recruit coming from wherever 
to come to Ohio State next year, he's not going to be playing in high school football either. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a whole new world, man. Um, so, with that being said, you know, the, the, the announcement for California as far as how high school football is going to look in California this year. Uh, Texas, again, delaying the start to their season by a month, all of their high school football athletics. And then here in Ohio... Well, we're going to start on time. Here's my thing with with Ohio, with the OHSA. I don't know what's wrong with just saying, let's just wait. And and this was my proposal yesterday for college athletics as well. Because everything is going to be dependent about the students on campus. And right now, every team is making in, in college, like Ohio State, the Big Ten schools, and others, are making decisions based on numbers within the states of those current programs. But the problem is those numbers are going to be totally skewed because once classes start and there are students on campus, students are coming to campus from all over the country. Mm -hmm. So they could come from areas that aren't bad. They can come from areas that are bad and bring it with them potentially. So that's going to be key because if there are large amounts of virus uh, positive tests on campus, that is really going to put an end to anything. You know, it doesn't matter if, you know, let's say Ohio was 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 one of the better states as far as the the, per, the positive test percentages and everything. If an outbreak happened on Ohio State's campus, I don't care if Ohio is the best state in regards to positive uh, test percentages. If an outbreak happens on campus, that is the worst case scenario for any program out there. Yep. I know the states is a big deal, but honestly, the campuses are a big deal mm-hmm. because that's really where these teams are going to have to make this. That's where their players are more so intertwined with. The same thing, so I proposed yesterday, all high school, or all college football should be delayed. It should all be pushed back. The main focus should be, let's let classes get started. Let's get the entire large student bodies on campus. Get that started first. Then let's get a feel for where we are with the new bodies on campus. Then go from there. Because until that happens, you're making decisions based on numbers right now that mean jack squat. It doesn't mean anything. So my proposal for high school is the same thing. You know, there's a lot of pressure going all the way up to the top. To in, you know, high schools need to be you know not high schools, but schools need to be in session. No mm-hmm. one needs to be learning from home. Everyone, all the students need to be you know in the classroom at their desks, physically you know in the classroom. There's a lot of pressure, and that's going to lead to that happening. I know so many teachers talking with different teachers over the weekend. Uh, you know, last week, every one of them have told me a different plan. It's funny. with I've talked to so many different teachers from different parts of Ohio that have all told me their different plan and idea. You know, some teachers, so the students might stay in the classroom all day, and then the te- instead of the, you know, when the bell rings, all the students stand up and flood the hallway to go to their next now they're coming up with ways that maybe the students stay put in one classroom all day and then the teachers are the ones switching classrooms to limit the amount of traffic into the hallways i'm hearing so many different things as far as how that's going to be you know students getting there later in the morning instead of earlier in the morning it's so many different ideas are being thrown out there so for high school why don't you wait till the students get in the classroom why don't we fill up centerville with the students why don't we fill up all of our local high school let, let's because that's the most important thing maybe not in college i know we like to spew the oh member it's you know student athlete stop you're not fooling me with that they're there for one reason one reason only and we all know what that is but in high school it really is about academics that is very important and if they are going to have students in the classroom that needs to be the main focus even from a sports perspective because if you are the OHSAA, you should be rooting for the schools to succeed with students on campus because as long as the students are in the classroom, that's your biggest enemy. So you need to be working with the schools saying, what do we got to do to help this? What can we do to 
Because right now saying practices are going to start on time and the season's going to start on time and this and that and the other, that's dumb. Because you don't know what these schools are going to look like with everyone back on campus. If there's huge outbreaks amongst all our high schools here locally, Fairmont, Centerville, uh, Northmont, I'm just throwing out random, you know, a lot of GWAC schools. <laughs> but you see where I'm going with that. Because if classes start and there's outbreaks in all these schools, what was the point of starting the football season on time? Why don't you wait to see how things react to students in the classroom first before you throw your kids out on the practice field? Because I think it's ten times worse to start the season and stop it than it is to start it late. And, yes, I'm going back on what I said before. You either kick off in the fall or not at all. Uh, but I still think you can kick off in the fall. You just may not get ten games. But let the high schools start first. Let the classrooms fill up with students first. Gauge the numbers off of that, then decide when to hit the practice field for football. Going now before students even enter the classroom makes no sense. You're going to practice, you're going to work your ass off, just to become to come one week away from a game and then be told, oh yeah, well, you know, the, the, there's just too many outbreaks in all these high schools and uh, all that hard work you did, we're just going to have to pull the plug on the season. It's stupid, it's dumb, and if California in Texas are making these types of moves? Who the hell does Ohio think that they are to sit there and say, oh, well, no, we're just going to start on time. We're just going to pretend like this thing don't even matter. Give me a break. Justin Kenner has spoken. And no one's listening, but keep going. <laughs> You're up. No, I just think that they're trying to move forward as if nothing's going to happen, which we all know something is going to happen. I just think they need another plan in place when something does happen because it seems like they don't have a plan at all. Like you said, moving forward as is isn't the way to go. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen a couple of schools around here have to stop workouts already because uh, a student athlete had tested positive and everything like that. Because, you know, the worst thing in the world that could happen, I, you know, matter of fact, I was uh, messing around on Facebook, something I rarely ever do. But uh, I saw a petition going around from uh, not in Ohio, but from teachers um, in other states saying, well, you know, if they're going to be playing sports, will I be able to sue the school if a student gets me sick? And then you had parents commenting on there. Well, if a uh, teacher gets my kid sick, so it's already going back and forth. So now you're adding sports to that element, too. So it's just another thing to worry about, another thing to complain about. Like I just don't know if us playing sports right now is the smartest thing to do. I don't I just don't know. I just don't know what is the the right thing to do because, like you said, this thing is ever-changing. We could all be on the same page on Monday and then something happened and then we're going in 15 different directions come Wednesday. This just came out a little bit ago, Dayton 24-7 now. Uh, Huber Heights student-athlete test positive for COVID-19. This just coming out now. Um, again, Huber Heights City Schools has confirmed its first student case um, of COVID-19. As a result, the district has canceled all upcoming football activities until July 31st. Keep in mind, this comes uh, just over a week after the OHSAA had come out and announced that every school district will be, you know, they'll decide whether or not, you know, there's a high school football season for their particular districts. The district has now had four positive positive cases. The district said Tuesday that the student had a test on July 16th, but was not, and again, for just tuning in, this is out of Huber Heights. They had their first student-athlete test positive. We're talking about, I threw out an idea, or I gave my opinion on, I think it's dumb to start practices on August 1st before the classrooms fill up with students. I think that the season should be delayed. I think the most important thing should be getting the, the students acclimated into the classroom first, then gauge where to go from there. Hey, if, the, if this virus is being spread throughout these classrooms, 
then you know what? Football is the least of your worries mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. So why start this? Why start practices on August first? Get the kids in the classroom first. Gauge your situation after that happens. Then start practice. I'm not saying no football season. I'm saying it's stupid to start before the classrooms fill up. Just like I think it's stupid for college football to start before students arrive on campus. Because until those students arrive on campus, until our local, you know, elementary and high school kids enter their classrooms here locally. Let's wait and see when that happens, what happens. Because you're going to be making your decision off of that, not off of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of dumb to do that. So the fact that right as we're talking about this, breaking news, a uh, student athlete in Huber Heights test positive for the virus. Their statement saying that the district said Tuesday that the student had a test on July 16th but was not displaying symptoms at the time. The football team had their most recent training session that same Day Now, I'm curious, when they say the district said Tuesday that the student had a test on July 16th, where's that, how is that test being implemented? Is that coming from um, the school district? Is that coming from the school? Is that just a test that he and his family went in and had done? I'm confused as to how that's working. Um, but members of the team will be, so they suspended all football activity, Kev, but members of the team will be allowed to return on July 31st only if they have remained asymptomatic. The district is urging all members to consider getting a COVID-19 test, though one is not required. What? That is what I'm saying, man. And, and by the way, I'm not ripping the school system. No, 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 They don't have the money um, to do that. I made that. the mistake of that last time. When I was ripping that, it was like, they don't, they have to make that decision because they, they don't have the resources to, to test the kids. But I'm laughing at it because it just sounds like we're sitting here saying NFL players, we're demanding daily testing. It's so dangerous to play if we don't have daily testing. But here the high schoolers are. Well, you know, if you feel okay, come come to practice. If not, stay your ass at home. <laughs> like, that's such a wide gap between the expectations right. for NFL millionaire football and you know, just but I, I agree. football. You know, we talked about it yesterday about NFL and uh, daily testing and three days a week testing. You know, uh, after talking to my mom last night, my mom uh, is recently retired from nursing after 40 years. And I was talking to her about it. And she said the reason why they will want that many tests is because of false positive and false negatives. Um, uh, you could take a test and and all right, you don't you're not testing for the virus but then test the next day and you are and vice versa. So when you have those tests that are rapid, there's a higher frequency of you getting a false positive or a, ne- a false negative test. So that's why they want to do daily testing. So that's that's what that was about. But uh, yeah, it, it is weird. It is weird that you had the professionals getting daily testing, um, looking to have college athletes get up to like three to four tests a week and then high school um, athletes, uh, hey, do you, does your parents' medical insurance cover your testing? Cool, go play. Like, and, is this- and, and when we talk about a team effort to get this to happen, I mean, it's going to take the student-athletes' families to be a part of that team effort because if the resources aren't there for these local school districts to provide testing, which, by the way, it's not fair to expect them to do that. Let's be clear here. Right. Their job is to provide safety for the student body, not for the student-athletes. Right. Okay. Now, student-athletes fall under the student body. I get that. Um, but let's be clear here. You know, I'm not putting pressure on these districts to be able to pay for testing because it's stupid. I mean, when I hear people say that all the time, the schools need to pay for No, for one, no, they don't. And two, where are they going to get that money Wait, from? what? All right. <laughs> I mean, you have teachers, I mean, who are having to buy their own school supplies for their students, but yet because the district doesn't supply that for them, but you think they're going to supply testing, give me a break. And if you think that they're going to supply testing for the student athletes, if my son or daughter is not a student athlete and my son or daughter is not going to get tested, what makes the student athlete's safety more important than my son or daughter? Because high school 
And at this level, it's more, it honestly really truly is, folks, about the academics here at this level. I don't care what anyone says. College, you can change that narrative all you want. High school, completely different. Keep in mind, uh, by the way, that the OHSAA, uh, the, OH, the, uh, the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association, has proposed or has given a 37-page proposal for the return-to-play protocols for the upcoming football season. <laughs> and there's a lot in here. Um, and we're going to talk about that coming up but to, to open up the other side. But, again, the, the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association uh, just released a 37-page. Okay, And good for them, by the way, because I was like – is anyone stepping up as far as a you know a a plan to return for these kids to make sure it's being done as safe as possible considering the limited resources i'm not expecting daily testing i'm not even expecting any testing itself in the schools but is anything going to be done Outside of just, we'll check their temperatures and how you feel in today's sport. I mean, are we going to do something outside of that? Um, but they just released a 37, the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association just released a 37-page return-to-play protocol. Um, and again, Jordan Strack uh, on Twitter. And again, he's out of Toledo, sports director uh, in Toledo. Uh, a couple of friends of mine retweeting a lot of his stuff. But some really interesting tidbits that we'll touch on on the other side. But parents, I want to hear from you. Um, even if you don't have kids and you have a, an opinion on this, I'm curious your thoughts on what high school football is going to look like here. Because I know that they can return on August 31st. But when you have California and Texas and these larger states where football just means more, right? I'm not saying it doesn't mean much. But it just, you know, that's the perception. It just means more there. If those states are making those tough decisions, why are we here in Ohio saying, well, report on the 30, on August 1st, and we'll see what happens? That doesn't feel like a plan. I'm curious. Am I on an island thinking that? Do parents agree or disagree? Uh, we'll discuss. Hour 3 coming up next. Back to the Justin Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. And uh, we are going through right now, Kevin and I, uh, this just came out a little bit ago, that the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association put out a fall 2020s that are being proposed aren't really money-driven. I mean, we're talking about shorter half times. We're talking about instead of only having to gather between, um, you know, the 30s, now you can, or between uh, the 50s, you have to, or the 50s, sorry, you get to gather at the 50-yard line and you have to be scrunched in there on the sideline. They're expanding how long mm-hmm. the teams can be um, you know, spread out along the sideline there. It's just a lot of these things that can be done uh, to make things easier. Masks worn by attendees, um, so I'm assuming you know, that that's you know, guests, parents, right? Fans? Yeah. So if you go watch a high school, and by the way, anyone that complains about that, and by the way, I know it's hot in September. I hate that too, by the way. We're, we have to carry all the equipment for high school <laughs> football. Oh my goodness. I, I hate that. In fact, it's funny, last year, I mean, I hate Centerville's, their steps are the worst. <laughs> Centerville's, uh, you know, their steps, their stadium is the, actually the stadium is beautiful, but like the steps are, I'm 5'5 five, five and short. I have little tiny legs, okay? I'm a little human being. And uh, the stairs are like awkwardly spread out. And like, see, I literally feel like I need to like leap from one step to the next, and I'm sweating, and it's always so hot. I have a hack for that. What? So when is there an elevator I haven't been made aware of? (laughs) Uh, No, uh, I wish there was. When I used to go set those games up uh, back in the days before you were before you decided not to help me out and set, you know, (laughs) I see how you are. Actually, walk on the bleacher part. No, because I because those are closer time, together. Remember my show. Oh, six. that's right, that's right, you know, that's right. No, that's I, right. I'm with you. By the way, if I would get there earlier, 
I could do that, but I also I would just take one step at a time slower. Catch, you know, three steps, catch my breath for five. <laughs> three more steps, catch my breath for five. That type of deal. But no, in all seriousness, there's lots of really interesting stuff. I'm going to tweet this out. If you want to go and follow me on Twitter at 1410Kenner, if you want to follow along, this is going to be a, like, like a church service here. Open up your book, okay? <laughs> Open up your book and follow along. Now, uh, 14, at 1410Kenner, I'm retweeting this now. Um, go take a look at this. We're going to discuss this on the other side of this break. Uh, 457-9464. I'm really curious about parents' uh, opinions on this. If you want to see the proposal, the fall 2020 proposal that has been proposed, remember, not signed off on, but proposed by the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association, uh, go check go check it out. I'm retweeting it right meow uh, at 1410 Kenner. We're going to discuss next. It's time for some straight talk. You know what covering your bases is in baseball, right? Of course, making sure you have no holes in your defense. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless, and you'll pay up to 50% less than big carriers and still use their same networks. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. And no contract, no mystery fees. Fully covering your bases for 50% less. Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. Check out terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. If Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here for the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. We're going to get into this OBJ versus AJ Green debate coming up around the corner. I don't know. I've been cheating. I've been jotting notes. I've been uh, getting prepared. You think I have been, been getting prepared. I see that little notepad. There's a reason I put all the small notepads over where you're at. <laughs> I keep all the big ones. That just means I'm more prepared. So there we'll you see. go. We'll see. Uh, very interesting stuff out of the Ohio High School Coaches Association, Ohio, uh, Ohio High School Football Coaches Association. Uh, they released a 37-page proposal for a return-to-play protocol for return-to-play. And by the way, this isn't like the Players Association and the NBA and, and the NFL and Major League Baseball where you wonder if, oh, man, are they going to get a deal done? Like I feel like in high school, everything on here, everything that you're reading, I mean, this is 37 pages. Kevin and I have not been able to scour through all 37 pages. So we're, we're quickly making little notes. You know, we scroll through this during the show, so give us a, a break here. We'll have more throughout the week that we dive into. We have a couple guests uh, that I've been talking to throughout the break lined up for tomorrow that I'll preview in a moment. But uh, in this proposal, I mean, literally, they have right here the COVID-19 response. So here's what, you know, what the, the response to what happens if a player tests positive. Immediately isolate and immediately isolate uh, and seek medical care for any individual who develops symptoms. Okay, common sense. This isn't breaking news here, but again, there's so much on here. But again, there's going to be a lot of duh. There's going to be a lot of duh on here. Okay, there's going. I find myself saying duh in a lot of this. And I heard you during the break say a couple times, "Wait, were they already not doing this?" There's a couple things in here that this just shows how gross human beings are to begin <laughs> with. That were we already not doing some of these things, and this is some of the the health stuff that we'll talk about that you have in front of you in a moment. But uh, right away way 
You should contact the local health district about suspected cases or exposure. Work with the local health uh, department to identify potentially infected or exposed individuals to help facilitate effective exposure notification. Test all suspected infections or exposures. Now, again, all these things sound great. They sound all nice and beautiful and safe and all that. But, again, uh, you can't just put in their proposal. Yep, test everyone that you think was in. Who's paying for that test? Right. Who's paying for that test? Um, you know, is it a parents respond i mean it's no different than if my son or daughter breaks an ankle the school's not paying for that you know your parents insurance is is that how this is going to be viewed you know but is and i don't know how that works you have your drive-throughs up through around here but like i mean how i, I don't know this i'm, I'm curious how all of this is going to pan out but those um, aren't the drive-throughs aren't rapid testing yeah they're going to need stuff quickly uh, as far as that's concerned. And we'll continue to go through this. But, again, he, he put out some, you know, there's going to be check-in protocols, limiting full contact. Um, there's examples of how drills need to look different. Th- all very interesting stuff. So, for instance, they are increasing the sideline space by 30 yards. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, less full contact, shorter halftime. No clue why a shorter halftime. I don't uh, get that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not understanding that one. But I guess halftime you're gathering. As a whole, um, in the locker room, okay. you know, it's a time where, I mean, think about half, you know, halftime even in basketball. And you, go, you go to your locker room, you sit down, you have guys to the left and right. That's basketball. You have 12 guys in with you. Uh, we're talking about football, you know, in a locker room. Some of these locker rooms, visiting locker rooms especially, are tiny mm-hmm. uh, in most situations. I think they might just be trying to limit the amount of time that you're scrunched up in a huddle ball. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. Staggered practice time. So does that mean... You know, the whole team's not practicing together. Do you That's realize you practice imagine. after school? You've got a whole lot of time after school. You practice in the morning. Some practice in the evening. I, I don't know um, how that is going to pan out as, as far as that's concerned but literally in this proposal they literally have like diagrams like page by page breakdowns of what some of these drills need to look like um no handshakes kevin um uh, this is the oh the uh, ohs fca the ohio high school coaches association proposal for game days no player can exhibit symptoms within 72 hours of a game so no handshakes one representative for the coin toss. So you're not going to send out a wall of captains for intimidation purposes, okay? Um, one representative for the coin toss. Limited locker room usage on game day. Uh, and sideline spacing shown below. Um, and then some of these pictures are interesting, too. I mean, they showed they always have everything by 2019 is how it would look. Here's how it's going to look in 2020. They have everyone spread out across these benches. Um, and literally, it's... you have. So you have someone six feet in front of you, someone six feet to the right of you, uh, and there you go. But I don't know. This thing goes on and on about all these details. And, again, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find a lot of this interesting. Parents should feel happy. I mean, this is a the Coaches Association coming together and putting together this long 37-page proposal for how to implement football in the fall. And I, I think it's – I like that there's game day protocols, uh, 72 hours, no symptoms, showing no symptoms within 72 hours. That's tough, though. You know, if a kid doesn't report that he's showing symptoms, you know, a coach isn't going to be calling every single student every night before they go to bed, how you feeling, how you feeling, calling them every morning, how you feeling, how, how you, you feeling, champ. How you feeling, champ. <laughs> you know, what's up, sport? How you doing, man? How you feeling, sport? You know? I want to hear from the parents, though. Do you feel a type of way that this came from the coaches as opposed to the athletic, uh, the OSHA from Ohio, you know, the whole scholastic sports in Ohio? Should we feel a type of way that the coaches had to come up with this? 
I mean, the coaches are already got enough on their place as it is, you know, coaching your kid, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing on the field and in the classroom. And now the coaches have to come up with a, a protocol list up to propose to the state. Shouldn't the state be coming to the coaches and to the schools and say, hey, these are the guidelines we we want you guys to follow instead of the other way around? I just, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but that's like one of the first things I thought of when I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, this is stuff, pretty good stuff. But then I was like, hold on, this is coming from the coaches. Why are the coaches having to come up with this? Why why aren't they giving the coaches the if protocol? I'm, but the thing is, though, like, if I'm the coaches, I'm kind of happy that the coaches are setting the protocols. And because then, I mean, you want the coaches to be more well-versed on this than even the upper officials. Fair, fair. Um so I like that aspect of it. And two, I think there is a lot of confusion as to what the what is the exact role of the OHSAA. Because they've been kind of thrown into this position where me and others view them as the end-all, be-all. Like they, they speak for all sports. As, they're more in charge of the tournaments. They're more in charge of the money-making aspects of that. It's not like, you know, there's a reason that there's commissioners for each of these conferences and, and, and everything along those lines. I just don't think, I mean, that's all, you know, fine when everything's going great. But I think in times like this, it really exposes the lack of leadership for Ohio high school athletics here. I'm not – I've been very harsh with the OHSA as of late, but to their defense, their responsibility is not the entire governing body over every single school in the state. Like They can't go in there and demand everything that goes on uh, as far as this is concerned. But at the same time, if there's ever a time where someone needed to step up and say, okay, we need to gather the troops and we need to, we need to come together for this – I wish they would have been more aggressive as far as mm. that's concerned. And my hat goes off to the coaches for putting this document together. Like you said, it's 37 pages. It's very detailed. So, once again, these coaches are doing great things, trying to make sure the sport goes on, and they're doing their part. You know, So you can't ever say the coaches aren't doing their part because they definitely are. So salute to the coaches for coming up with this proposal. So we'll continue to discuss this, getting some tweets uh, and some calls are coming in. We're going to get to your calls coming up here around the corner. We're also uh, going to go inside the NBA bubble with Joe Varden from The Athletic, senior NBA writer. He'll call in and join us from the NBA bubble and give us a little behind-the-scenes um, info as far as what life is like in the bubble. Uh, excited to talk with Joe Varden coming up around the corner. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. Back to the famous WYNG studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. NBA senior writer with The Athletic, Joe Varden. Good enough to join us. Joe, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing fine. Just got out of uh, Pacers practice. Not bad. And, uh, listen, I'm very curious. And, I, again, I know Victor Oladipo, there's an update as far as that's concerned. We'll get to that in a moment. But if you can, when, from the, when did you arrive in the bubble? And just how difficult was that? I don't know how often you fly, but is the, the worst flying experience you had as far as getting checked in versus getting checked into the bubble, which one was more strenuous in your opinion? You know, um, of all the interviews that I've done in the last nine days, that this is the first time I've been asked about the flight, and I appreciate that um, because it absolutely was the one thing that, that has been scary. I mean, waiting for my first COVID test to come back was also pretty scary, but otherwise you feel safe here. I mean, you know, everybody's wearing masks. There's, it's just, I mean, it's, uh, they really did a good job setting this up. The flight was was something, and um, you know I flew first class uh, the Cleveland to um, Dulles Park, 
it was a full flight. Like there was somebody next to me, you know, at least he had a mask on, thank goodness. Um, and then from Dulles down to Orlando was much better. Uh, about a third full flight, like nobody near me in first class. Um, it was, that was better, but, but overall, yeah, like checking into security, just with everything you read and you know, just how things are going in the country. It just, it was not, it was not a pleasurable experience. I mean, how nerve-wracking, I mean, again, because you're talking about, you know, you're having to sit by strangers on the plane, and however they take care of themselves could impact not just you, but those within the bubble, too. I mean, you're wanting to cover the NBA. You want to clear everything to be able to get in the bubble. How stressful was that, waiting for the results? I mean, what was quarantine? What was the process like when you arrived in Orlando to become cleared to stay in the bubble? What was that process like? Yeah, I mean, so you, you arrive, and it's very subdued. It's very quiet. You know, they take your name or check. You give them your name. They check. Yep, you're supposed to be here. They give you your magic band, and uh, and then you go and sit in your room for hours until they come to take their first test. And then it's like a 12 to 15 hour wait um, for the for the you know the result, which obviously is way faster than in the country are, are dealing with right now but um you know it's i mean you have some thoughts and, and, and the other thing is the the thoughts go for a couple days because you know how this works and you know that if you actually picked it up at the airport it's not going to come up with that night. Uh, so you're the first couple days you're testing to make sure you didn't catch it and then you know when you start to get into that day three four five range is when you're getting cleared uh you know from the airport and then once you hit about that point then you're feeling good you're feeling like you're you're in and you're going to be here for the duration so joe we see the guys fishing chugging beers having a good time how long is this camp life slash buddy buddy life is going to last how long are they going to be like this are they going to actually act like this once the actual season resumes well, <laughs> it's hot. It is hot down here. And I think that that probably will have as much to do with uh, tempers getting short as, as anything else. Um, you know, it is a good, they are trying to have a good time right now. And it seems like for the most part, they're doing it. I think it's more going to be about just keeping things fresh. You know, so right now it's, it's new and then everybody's kind of getting back to practice and getting back to work. And then... Wednesday we start playing preseason games, uh, and so then that's new, you know. And then next week we start playing for real, and then now it, you know, that'll be new. And then the playoffs. So, given the challenges, sort of the setup of this whole thing, you, what you hope for is that there is enough newness, like at each stage, to kind of keep people wanting to 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 take care of themselves and take care of the bubble. Joe Varden, senior NBA writer with us with The Athletic. Good enough to jo- uh, hop on here with us on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Of course, the NBA will be tipping off uh, coming up on July 30th, and we're super excited about that. Again, so much has gone into allowing this to happen, and Joe is calling in from the bubble in Orlando right now, which we appreciate. Uh, but, Joe, for those, like, for me, for instance, so there's eight regular season games, I guess, or eight games before the playoffs initially start, a lot of seeding on the line. How is that going to work as far as, I mean, like the Lakers and the Bucks and some other Others who have their stuff pretty much buttoned up. How, are you going to run into a situation where you have a, a preseason approach for the Lakers uh, going up against a potential Pelicans team who's going all out for seeding? I mean, how is that going to work as far as different teams in different situations from a competitive standpoint? 
you know, I mean, I, I could be silly here, um, and I could be off base, but I, I don't think that you're going to see nearly as much of that as, as um, like, that, that opinion or that guess is, is, is very, is, is definitely out there and, and shared by many people. I don't necessarily agree because um, all of a sudden, I mean, the playoffs, you know, obviously that really matters. And instead of six months to get ready for that, you have eight games over a couple couple weeks. And, you know, I keep trying to tell everybody, like, yes, this is a restart of the 2020 season, but you had a full off season, And, you know, those off seasons typically, you know, that's why we go from one season to the next. Like, rhythm doesn't doesn't carry over continuity doesn't doesn't carry over so you know yes the lakers come into this with the best record and yeah they have lebron and ad but they're a different team they're a different team in who they have in uniforms they're a different team in what they're gonna like look like when they get out there so i think you're gonna see all these teams to the extent that their health will allow use these games to get ready for the playoffs you talk about the playoffs and the Lakers. That race for the eighth spot in the West, you got, what, the Pelicans, Suns, Trailblazers. Who has the inside track in your mind? Well, I mean, probably the Grizzlies just because they have, um, you know, they're, they're, they have a three-and-a-half team lead. Um, and then after that, I would say right now the Blazers um, just because Dame and CJ and then now Nurkic. Um, you know, the Pelicans, I mean, really tough blow with Zion. You know, you don't know when he's going to be back. And the Kings is just a disaster. Like, they, they just, it's just one bad luck thing after another. Now Marvin Bagley's hurt. I saw him walking around about, you know, 20 minutes ago in a boot um, wow. and, on, and on crutches. So, not good. Um, so, I think, I, you know, I guess because of the Zion thing, uh, I would say the the Grizzlies are probably my pick with the Blazers right there. And, uh, you know, that if Zion can get back and, and get it going, then, um, you know. Now we heard, make we, we heard Charles Barkley jump out on a limb and say if the Trailblazers make the playoffs, they will beat the Lakers. What's your thoughts? So this is, and this is kind of the other thing that I really believe, is that, like, I think that the attitude of, quote, not wanting to get players hurt or, like, if you are a player who's hurt, or not even hurt, just questioning things and saying, you know what, I'm going to rest up for next year. Like, I think that's a mistake. And um, and I think that for a couple reasons. One, this is truly a historic time in, in all of professional sports and obviously in our country, and you want to be a part of that. But then secondly, because of all the craziness, and all the stuff that's going on and where we are and what the circumstances are going to be. You never have had as much chance to beat a one seed as you do right now. Never. And, and uh, you know, so, I mean, the Lakers, again, like, yes, they have two of the five best players in the league probably, but they're also missing a starter and they're missing, uh, you know, their backup point guard with Rondo. You know, it's, it's possible. And that's why, you know, uh, you want to you want to give it your all. You, you don't want to just pack it in and punt for next season. And um, if you're a front running team like the Lakers, you you need this time to get yourself in gear and like play your guys and get them ready to, ready for the playoffs. 
Joe Varden with us here, NBA senior writer for the Athletic. Joe, as we let you go, I'm just curious about this because I'm confident that the the bubble theory is going to work. I mean, look, the TBT it was a 10 day little run, but uh, you saw the success with that. The NHL's yeah. numbers are pretty good within their bubbled environment. I think the NBA is going to be in good shape. Could they? Could there be concern if the bubble works out so well? that there could be some hesitancy to uh, releasing all the players back to their home cities to tip off the next season? Could they take this and try to find a way to do this for next season, even if it's just to start it? I mean, how could that impact that as far as that's concerned? Well, I mean, you know, this costs like $170 million to do this. <laughs> Yikes. Um, you know, so that's the first thing. But then the second thing is, is like living in this bubble now for as long as I've, as I've been here and seeing – now that today was the first day we could go to practice and seeing like all that goes into this just to be able to, uh, to, to have basketball, it makes it unfathomable, guys, that, that like a few months from now we'll, we'll all just be back in arenas all over the country and everything will be back to normal. Like I just, I, it's too hard to imagine. I just don't see it. And so I don't have a good answer for you. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but that's like just it. Like this having like going through this and seeing what it takes to pull this off just makes like thinking about getting back to normal, just like an impossibility. All right, well, good stuff. Joe, I caught you on the herd the other day, and you brought up a good point uh, about uh, Zion, that the NBA has built their whole broadcasting schedule around Zion, and it could be for the second straight time where we could be left with nothing as far as that's concerned. I mean, you you lightly touched on it earlier. As we send you out, just any update you have as far as that's concerned. Are you hearing that he could be back by the time the season tips off? And when he does come back, how long does he have to isolate for? So he has to isolate for a minimum of four days. Um, and then depending on what his testing situation is and depending on why he actually left, um, he would, he could be in there up to two weeks. Um, I, you know, it, it was interesting over the weekend, uh, both Alvin Gentry and Lonzo Ball said they had not uh, spoken to Zion at all since he left. Uh, J.J. Reddick said that he had. Um, but, the, you know, the organization is being very tight-lipped. I mean, it's... Um, you know, it's a family matter. It is serious, obviously. Um, and, you know, it's what ha- what has happened is upsetting. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a death or if it's something else. Like, it could be anything. Who knows? Um, it was enough for, for Zion to go home. All right. Well, good stuff. Give Joe a follow on Twitter, at Joe Varden, J-O-E-V-A-R-D-O-N. Joe with The Athletic, good enough to join us here, senior NBA writer. Joe, thanks so much for your time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in the bubble or vacation or however it is you're uh, <laughs> forming it in your head. Uh, oh, man, don't say vacation around my wife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. You take care. Oh, you too, guys. Thanks for having me. I've tweeted this out again uh, that the Ohio High School 
Football Coaches Association pres- uh, Vice President Brent Fackler says on a radio interview on 93 won the fan in Cleveland that the reasoning for a lot of the changes in the 37-page proposal uh, for the return-to-play protocols, the reason for a lot of the changes comes from the fact that most people who contract COVID-19 with um, most people who most people who contract the virus contract it with 15 minutes of consecutive exposure. That's the reason for mid-quarter breaks and for nine-minute practice chunks. Okay. Um, Fackler points out that under the plan, there is not 15 minutes of constant exposure to anyone on the field. All right, this is that detailed reasoning that I, I like. Uh, as far you don't, you don't have to buy into it. You could all say it's bogus, it's BS, it's whatever. But at least there's reasoning. Because the you know did the NBA provide reasoning for why there couldn't be doubles partners in table tennis? They just said nah, no. <laughs> like at least like because I was wondering what a lot of these changes are. No, 15, you know shorter half times. Well, why? Well, because they say the science shows that. A lot of people contract, you know, to contract the virus, you have to be exposed to it. It's not a simple little brushing up against something. They're saying that you're usually exposed to it for at least 15 minutes. Again, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But again, they based sci- they based all of this off of the science, off the findings, off the facts. Um, Fackler also points out that under this plan, Kevin, that there is not 15 minutes of constant exposure to anyone on the field. Therefore, if one person gets COVID-19 on the team. Their belief is that they can continue to play with the rest of their roster per CDC guidelines. Practices will have nine-minute intervals. Nine minutes of drills, nine minutes of whatever, and then they all take a break and whatever. But if you're still around the same person, I mean, who said it's not like 14 minutes, 58 seconds. All right, get away from me. And then you're right back at it a right. minute later. Like, I don't know. My point is, is we just don't They're know. Trying. But I feel more like if I'm a parent and I'm reading this, I feel pretty now. I'm like, okay. I, I don't like that there's not as much testing. These things, these are good. They are literally, we said, hey, the NBA, they thought of everything. Right. I College football, I don't think has this. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed for as negative as I've been told I am. Like, I'm impressed by this. You know, I, I don't know about you, but they so, you know, that was just in game. So here we are at timeouts. Coaches will, okay, every six minutes of the game clock, there will be a two-minute break. Extra timeouts. Coach's best friend. Of course, you could tell the coaches right. wrote this, you know. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, offensive coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's going to be a lot more stoppage in play. But, folks, and this is just a proposal for high school football in the state of Ohio this year. But, you know, if you're a parent or just a high school football fan, keep this in mind. And this proposal, it's 37 pages. Kevin and I have been trying to rush through this throughout the show when it just came out a little bit ago. Just trying to have, find some time to be able to pull out some of the important stuff. Every six minutes of game clock time, there will be a two-minute break. Timeout protocols will be utilized during these breaks. Rationale for the six-minute break is to eliminate continuous contact for 15 minutes. This goes back to the point that we heard from the vice president of the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association saying that, hey, when you catch the virus, a lot of times it's for that 15 minutes of continuous exposure to it. That's how a lot of people contract the virus. They have eliminated every opportunity of 15 minutes of continuous you know, exposure to it. It's genius. It's not bulletproof. It doesn't mean that there won't be exposure to the virus. It just means that, hey, based on the facts that they know, they built a plan around that. I applaud them. I, I, I'm, I'm impressed. Let's just put it this way. Players will sanitize their hands during timeouts. And I'm, I'm going to raise my hand on this one and say, if these are some of these things, even when the virus passes, which, by the way, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be here for a while. You know, But even when we have containment of this, I think we should still practice some of these things. Absolutely. I mean, I, I like that players must wash their hands. Which, well, no kidding. <laughs> the spitting, the sweating, the blood. 
your sweat, your spit, your blood. <laughs> like You know, the thing that stood out to me the most, the whole your own water bottles thing, you know, when I that's played, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I played sports in high school and just in the neighborhood, you know, the where you got your water from was that hose on the side of the house or the hose that they pulled out. Oh, the little, the little PVC pipe yeah. that they and just they had water spitting through <laughs> Don't put your you mouth know. on that. <laughs> I'm thirsty. I'm tired. It's hot out here. So, I mean. Oh, you remember those hot days, two days, bruh. when the hot water coming out of the pipe is just the best tasting water in the world? Like, oh, my goodness. it was Like, I wouldn't care. I would bathe in that stuff because I'm just like, oh, thank God it's so hot. Like, oh, man, there was no better feeling than that. No better feeling. And, you know, when you're doing drills, you're just staring at it. There's no water coming out, but you're just staring at it, envisioning water coming out. Like you can't wait to get over there. Kinner, pay attention. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what? what? It's taking uh, a mental break over here. Yeah, that's my whole life. Uh, halftime will be a period of 12 minutes, uh, shortened from 15 minutes. Officials will contact teams at the 9-minute mark. Teams must be on the field at the 12-minute mark, a 3-minute warm-up period to follow. Avoid the use of the locker room during halftime if possible. All right? Those rainy nights, I'm sure coaches are going to love standing in the rain even long. You know what? If you're already in the rain when it's playing, what's 10 more minutes in the rain at halftime? They'll be fine. Um, here's what I'm interested in, too. Visiting team. The above pro- the For the above protocols will apply to visiting teams with the following additions. When possible, Kevin, travel dressed and ready to play. Um, I don't remember for football. What are you wearing on the bus to a game? Sweatpants, you, you're ba- no, you're basically dressed, right? Like that's what I remember. Like you would have, you would, you'd have your pads, like your pants, your, you know, pants, you'd have your t-shirt, yeah. your pants, then you'd have Helmets. your jersey over your, yeah. your pads, Helmet, and your helmet everything. through the head, yeah, you know, you're holding it down. So that's not any different. So you're just getting on the bus, ready to go in the locker room, basically, just to tighten up your shoulder pads, spit your jersey on. Get your shoes ready to go and go. At least that's how it's been in my schools. <laughs> Were you one of those having to have all the armbands? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I played wide ball with you that one time. You were all, You got the armband out. Yeah. You got the headband out. Hey, man, you like Deion Sanders said, you look good, you play good. Man, it sucks when you're a kinder when you don't got either <laughs> to fall back on. I don't look good and I never played good. Holy smokes. But, uh, all right, so when possible, uh, carry shoulder pads, helmets, and cleats. Okay, that's a given. Avoid the use of the locker room. When possible, locker rooms should be used for things like restroom breaks, hazardous weather. When locker rooms are used for games, teams will dress in groups. Uh, the number of each group will be determined by the size of the locker room and number of players that can. Again, this thing thought of everything. I'm impressed. I'm not even mocking this. Like, you know me. I find something wrong with everything. <laughs> I started to laugh like I was about to find something wrong. I'm like, oh, no, this makes sense. Every away locker room is different. And it'll just, you know, by capacity and size. Um, so, yeah, I mean, coaches are going to have to be a lot more on top of these guys to be ready to go. To be, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's gonna be one of those types of things. Did you pull anything else out? Did that pop out to you? I didn't. That's the biggest thing. The whole water hose and, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is like we're gonna do this, and we say like, oh, you guys weren't doing this already. But you know what? At the end of the day, they're high school boys, and high school boys for the most part, they may look clean, but they're dirty. Most little kids are dirty. And they're 16, 17 years old. They still have dirty tendencies. Like, I can remember maybe washing my practice jersey, 
maybe twice a season. <laughs> like, ah, I'm going to just sweat it in tomorrow. What's the point of washing it? But, like, those small things about making sure your practice uniforms are washed and everything like that, making sure you're disinfecting your helmet and, and you know, if you drop a mouthpiece, get a new one. Like, those small things go a long way. So, you know, like you said, they've thought of a lot of things on here. Um, I couldn't imagine this not being approved. Like, yeah, they've done, all the, here they've done the work for you. And none of, and what I like about this, I'm like, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of things you have to pay for. In here. No, these are just simple practices. They're just simple, like, you know, you got to be very organized. I mean, you want to talk to your players about being organized and ready to go. Coaches are going to have to be even more organized and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a lot of great coaches in this area. I have no doubt that they're going to be able to pull this off. Um, and I'm curious, guys, like, you know, Mo Douglas, you know, Jeff Graham, guys like that. I'd be curious to, you know, hear their thoughts, um, you know, over the next week to kind of hear what they have to think, what they think about this. And I, I think that nothing on here, Kev, seems impossible. Yeah. Like, I think it's very doable. Very doable. I uh, just had this sent to me as we close out the show. Again, we got Reds baseball coming up. Reds baseball. I'm excited for that exhibition play. Reds Tigers. You're going to hear that coming up at 6:10. The pregame starts 6:40. First pitch. Uh, Fort Loramie local schools will not consider with everything going on in the NFL right now with the with the Washington team. Uh, they they removed the Redskins from their group. They don't have the logo anymore. And there's a lot of local high schools that still have that. And uh, waiting to hear, you know, kind of the fallout from that. Um, but uh, Fort Laramie local schools will not consider changing the name of its teams. Superintendent Dan Holland, I'm going to make sure I throw his name out there. Uh, Superintendent Dan Holland does not believe, apparently, that there's any issue with that name, even though, one, you know, a billion-dollar NFL team is changing their name because it's wrong. But a local high school team around here, what? Uh, anyways, he, in a resp- again, a resident has continued asking the district to drop the Redskins moniker. And Superintendent Dan Holland, shout out to Dan Holland, everybody. Give him a good old hee-haw. Hee-haw, Dan Holland. Uh, congrats to you for being stubborn. and not. I mean, wh- what you're fighting harder to keep the name than you are to change it. That's weird to me. That's, that's weird. That's strange, man. Wake up, man. Wake up. But, that's all you can say. Yep. Hee-haw. <laughs> good for him. Till tomorrow has been the Justin Kenner show. Give him a good give a hee haw. That's out. That's a shout out to Dan Holland, superintendent for Fort Laramie. Change the name. It's not that hard. Change it. Yesterday. Till tomorrow is the Justin Kenner show. Fourteen ten ESPN Radio. Hee haw. What's his Twitter? And they mentioned not wanting to take resources away from other right. people. You saw some tweets about the NFL going with the lab that they did a national lab to try and curb that. Testing feels like a zero-sum game. This is an area where we've seen there are still plenty of labs locally around the country that are experiencing big delays in the turnaround on some of these tests that affect the general public in this, but because we know these leagues are willing to pay a premium, they're likely going to get to cut to the front of the line. Hear more from Golick and Wingo tomorrow morning on ESPN Radio. Today, pros have to do whatever it takes. The Home Depot is here to make that easier. We've got the products you know and trust on our app. Delivery options to get what you need exactly where you need it. And the delivery tracker that keeps you up to date on the status of your order. So you can keep doing what you do best. Whatever it takes to get the job done. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems. Redefining what's possible with 10th Gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top brand electronics and accessories. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 800 by dell That's 800 by dell <laughs> Results, 95 players with known positive tests. That's up from 72 in the Union's last report July 10th. Daily COVID-19 testing the first two weeks of training camp. One part of the return to work proposal approved by owners. The league and players do still have a few other details to work out. Note ESPN's Dan Graziano. The ramp-up period is important. They haven't finalized that. And then the next thing is the opt-out procedures. If a player wants to opt out of this season for health and safety reasons, what happens to his contract? What happens if uh, games start to get canceled or the season has to get canceled or interrupted? What happens to player contracts? In Graziano, the NBA today unveiled its new course for the league's restart in Orlando, delivering on its promise. Black Lives Matter is written on the floor in large, glossy black print. Celtics point guard Kemba Walker's injured left knee is improving, but he'll likely sit out Friday's scrimmage opener. Yankees right Masahiro Tanaka on track to make his first start July 31st after missing a turn in the rotation. Coming up Wednesday on Golica Wingo, we are one day away from the baseball season finally starting. No NFL preseason games could hurt young teams, and the NBA bubble is working. Golica Wingo Wednesday, 6 Eastern, ESPN Radio and ESPN News. Company on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Spain and company action. I guess it didn't scare you away. Hey, Ashley. Hey, what's going on? Uh, last time we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the uh, the moment that you made your debut on ABC7 and um, they uh, played some Richard Simmons dancing clips <laughs> instead of uh, the uh, Cubs highlights you were hoping to get. So uh, this time we won't dwell in the ways that people have let you down in the past. We will focus on moving forward. Yep, thank you. You I are really now a part of the that. ESPN family. Uh, Unless, of course, you know some of the guys working the show tonight just absolutely blow it, and then and then you know it'll be it'll be very comfortable and and, uh, and very at home for you. We could do a part <laughs> two. I'm open to it. We can there laugh. You go. It's all good. Uh, if you weren't here for that, go ahead and just search uh, at ESPN yep. Ashley on Twitter. You should be able to find the clip. The it's, fact uh, that I retweeted that too, I'm like, what yeah. am I doing? It's Why a classic. Listen, you handled you handled it very well. <laughs> if I were trying to talk. Clayton Kershaw pitching and Richard Simmons popped up and then video of Boom. a candlelit vigil. I don't know that I would have been so smooth with oh. it, so you handled it well. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Tell everyone where they can find you on ESPN. 
Hey guys, yeah, right now I am hosting a show called The Replay on Quibi, which is a new app that just launched in April. So right now, hosting that show, of course, doing a little bit of radio with you. And uh, once sports comes back, we'll be seeing a little bit more. But right now, that's it. And it's been cool. a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank well, you. we're Spain and Company, presented by Progressive Insurance. We spent a little time yesterday talking about the NBA bubble and the fact that 350 plus tested in the latest round zero positive COVID results, which makes us feel hopeful, maybe for the first time in, in a while when it comes to the idea of sports returning. The question is, how long can they keep it this way, knowing that there are employees that come in and out of the bubble? Uh, so it's not entirely a clean site, but if they thus far have been able to keep anyone who might be positive um, from being near the players and the staff members, Hopefully that's something they continue. They, they stay vigilant about the testing protocols and allow us to actually finish out this season. Uh, LeBron James of the Lakers had a press conference today and talked about him whether the bubble can sort of hold strong for them to get all the way to a championship. I think I said first time I did media that um, until something, if it was to happen, then you approach it. Everything just has gone the way it's supposed to have gone since we've been here. And it's given me no indication why it won't continue. If something happens or, or spike happens, which we don't believe it is, but if something happens, then we uh, adjust and, and go forward from there. But I don't go, I don't wake up in the morning saying, okay, this may not work. I don't push it that way. I woke up this morning thinking about my family, one, and then think about how, how I was going to impact practice today and, and help us get better. That was yeah, it does sound like uh, he's basically paraphrasing my favorite Tom Petty quote. Most things I worry about never happen anyway. Ah. So basically, like, until it happens, I'm just going to cross my fingers and keep plowing forward. Are you feeling pretty hopeful based on these recent tests? Gosh, absolutely. And yeah, great, great quote. And it applies to every area of life. But, right. but NBA has really set the table and I think they deserve so much credit. And remember when Major League Baseball initially kind of came up with this plan of we're going to isolate, we're going to do kind of a bubble thing where players are going to be removed from their families and kind of see and, and everyone kind of laughed at MLB at the beginning and was like, there's no way people are actually going to do that. Well, the NBA did that and it's worked. And I think it's, of course, going to take time and it's going to take compliance from players to continue to follow the rules. But the NBA has had a plan for almost every situation we've run into, like the Zion Williamson example of him having to leave and what might happen when he leaves and he comes back or uh, players who have crossed a boundary line to meet a Postmates guy and <laughs> uh, what might happen. So I think they've been unbelievable with, with finding a plan, having a solution for every situation they could potentially be in. Yeah, it might not be 100% a bubble. I think Michael Collins called it uh, more of a wiffle ball. The guys on Golik and Wingo have been calling it a mesh hat. Um, so it's not perfect. There are ways that it can still, moving forward, be complicated by, again, there's people coming in and out to clean, to, to serve meals, um, to do a variety of tasks within the bubble. And, and the goal is, of course, to keep regulating how close they can get to anybody that is that is uh, necessary for this whole experiment to work. But you're right. And specifically, the NBA has earned the benefit of the doubt because at no time have we heard any of the coaches or players say, we're just going to tackle COVID. We're not going to let the Rona beat us, right? They've been like, well, the experts are saying this and the experts are saying that they've deferred to science. They've talked all along about uh, the safety protocols that matter. In, and it's different from some of the other sports that seem to just be plowing ahead. Um, LeBron James, again, in a press conference today, sort of said uh, something that I think is probably the goal um, mindset for anyone who's trying to compete right now, understanding 
what's going on globally around them. And that is just to say, if nothing is normal, then nothing can be abnormal. So now it's 2020. Everyone keeps asking me how's the bubble or how's it going. I just say it's 2020. Nothing is normal in 2020. Nothing seems as is. And who knows if it will ever go back to the way it was. Who knows? But you, you make the adjustments and you figure it out along the way. That's what life is all about. You know, life throws you curveballs sometimes. And it's how you not only approach it, but how you appreciate it as well. So man, nothing is normal. But what is the same is that that floor we just came off of, my teammates, and, and what we have, what we're here to uh, to do, and that's to, to lock in and stay focused and, and go about this ride, you know, accordingly. I love the attitude, and it's kind of like, a, um, well, I, I keep saying my two favorite uh, taglines for 2020 have been brought to you by the makers of Firefest, <laughs> and then the one from the uh, roller coaster operators in Japan where they advise people not to scream on the roller coasters because of the spread of COVID, so they said instead, scream on the inside of your heart, which also feels really on brand for 2020. Uh, and who was it? Somebody, uh, somebody said about the bubble, the bubble is what you make of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's a great attitude. You know, you could complain about stuff. You can compare it to how it's not your everyday life. Or you could say, listen, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make do uh, uh, with what I got and keep the focus on the basketball, which is why I'm here. No distractions, nobody else, just me in the bubble. Uh, so I think LeBron seems to be approaching it well. And I think it's incredible, too. I mean, Athletes these days are pretty spoiled. I hate to say it, but I think we all know it. These guys are making so much money, and especially a guy like LeBron living in Los Angeles where there are distractions and opportunities and parties everywhere. For these guys to now embrace being in a bubble for months at a time, to have all of that taken away from them, to not be living in this big cushy mansion and going to play at Staples Center, it's incredible for these guys to be really be like, okay, let me go play ball. This is what I'm going to do. I want to win a championship. And, and to see the guys really embrace simple things like going fishing off a dock and right. uh, playing video games with each other and eating food that comes in containers. I love seeing guys that typically can live a pretty spoiled lifestyle to really like hunker down and be like, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm here to play ball. Yeah, I feel like the there's this account called Art But Make It Sports, and it finds <laughs> famous pieces of art and, and how they reflect what's going on in the sports world. And there was one of this person with a giant fish, and it was like basically every NBA player in the bubble. <laughs> and then it just had this like series of shots of every single guy yep. uh, holding up what they'd caught. Yeah, they're finding ways. progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles boats and rvs for protection on the road and on the water see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com coming up a big announcement in the nwsl has me thinking much bigger than just soccer we'll get into it next espn radio spending a lot of time at home did you know you can listen to spain and company and all of espn radio on your smart speaker just say play espn radio now playing espn radio more from spain and company coming up
Welcome to AutoZone. Working on an oil change? We can help you get started. Right now, you can get five quarts of Mobile One synthetic high-mileage motor oil and an STP Extended Life oil filter for just $31.99. And if you need it fast, you can get it fast your way. Whether it's next-day delivery or free same-day pickup, in-store or curbside, the choice is yours. Getting your job done just got easier. Restrictions and details at AutoZone.com. Get in the zone. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? <laughs> what? <gasps> we could sleep in another half hour? <laughs> Thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> and you'll change yourself too? <laughs> There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit Geico.com for details. From first take to your radio. If somebody squeezes in and wins the championship because LeBron comes down with COVID-19 and so does Anthony Davis, uh, Russell Westbrook, even though he already has it and we wish him nothing but the best guys like that, we've got ourselves a problem. But as long as the stars are available to play and they're healthy and ready to go, then it won't be tainted at all. First take, your take from 1 to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. FX on Hulu is now streaming. Probably the best idea I've ever had. It's a complete no-brainer. Including your favorite FX shows like Atlanta, American Horror Story, Fargo, and more. Even exclusive new series, Devs, and Mrs. America. And streaming soon, A Teacher, starring Kate Mara and Nick Robinson. And The Old Man, starring Jeff Bridges. This is not someone to underestimate. See why Variety calls FX one of TV's hottest brands. FX on Hulu. Free with every Hulu subscription. Now streaming. Coming up Wednesday on Golica Wingo, we are one day away from the baseball season finally starting. No NFL preseason games could hurt young teams, and the NBA bubble is working. Golica Wingo, Wednesday, 6 Eastern, ESPN Radio and ESPN News. Give us Major League Baseball. Give us the first pitch and the best sluggers in the game. Give us a season where anything is possible. Oh, man to deep central. The baseball gods do not lie. Give us opening night. Yankees Nationals at 7 Eastern, then Giants Dodgers at 10. Thursday on ESPN. Telecast presented by John Deere. And all of ESPN. Streaming live on the ESPN app. Download the ESPN app today. To take ESPN everywhere. To take ESPN everywhere. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. When you turn to Rocket Mortgage, we can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so now is a great time to call 8338-ROCKET. And if you need some extra money, a cash-out refinance could give you that financial boost you're looking for. Call today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. Proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Ask for it at Jiffy Lube. 
You know what's not healthy? Stressing about work. Or maybe you're out of work. Stop. Hit reset. You can start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. An emergency relief grant of up to $3,500 is available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. Lauren Holiday, and some other ballers in the entertainment world like Natalie Portman, Eva Longoria, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, Uzo Aduba, and then just ballers who have a lot of money, Alexis Ohanian, Serena Williams, uh, Karen Nortman. It is a massive, amazing group of people that are all coming together, that's only some of them, to form the new L.A. NWSL franchise. No name officially yet, but they're going by Angel City for now. And I'm pumped. It's Spain and Company. Sarah Spain, Ashley Brewer, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Guests join us on the Shell Penzoil performance line. Last week, Julie Foudy leaked to a number of us colleagues that this was going down and that today would be the day of the official announcement. And somehow I kept my big mouth shut. Didn't spoil the news. Uh... But Ashley, today was the first you heard of it. What was your yeah. reaction to looking at the list of names getting involved in ownership of a women's sports franchise? Oh, I was so pumped about this because I was working in Los Angeles when I got to see LAFC come to mm -hmm. town. And I got to see what the power of having really good owners and a different variety of people and business people come in and start something and watch it become so successful and then watch the city of Los Angeles embrace it. And I think that is exactly what's going to happen here in women's soccer. And I am so pumped for the city of L.A. to embrace this team and, and just to see that this many people believe in women's soccer, that people like a Natalie Portman and, and different celebrities and business leaders are buying into something like this. I just think it's going to be a hit. And I think it adds so much cool factor. And one of the things that I often talk about in terms of inclusion for women's sports in coverage, whether that's TV time or media discussions, 